Welcome to Hoopsville, everybody. The show presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. Uh, appreciate you tuning in. We apologize. Our original goal was to air this show on Sunday night. Due to flat-out exhaustion, to be completely honest, and a little bit of a worn-out voice, we postponed. We were going to go on Monday night, but again, exhaustion and the voice, which actually is not fully 100%, uh, forced us to push off to Tuesday. We are releasing this show versus doing it live, mainly because most of the show is pre-recorded anyway. We hope you don't mind. Again, the voice is a little worn out, so bear with it. I uh, did a lot more work than I uh, than I expected to do in Salem. Uh, every year in Salem, we, I do more and more work. I love doing it. Please don't get me wrong. This is not a complaint. Uh, but on the flip side of that, it was a little bit exhausting. <laughs> Uh, nonetheless. So we have two weeks to recover uh, to get ready for Indianapolis. Um, quick note, we will not be doing any shows between now and Indianapolis. We have thought about it. We did it in 2013 with Atlanta. To be honest, I'm not really sure what content we did, though one of those shows was live in Atlanta on Thursday. The calendar doesn't allow that. Uh, so instead of being able to do a special show with coaches coming in who are in the area, especially with D3 Roots, et cetera, et cetera, isn't available in Indianapolis because we won't even be getting there until the weekend on Saturday or Sunday anyway. So it just doesn't feel as part of it. We might do something briefly out there as a quick little recording of, of the experience before Monday's championship, but that's all in the air. For As far as real shows, this is the last real show we will put together. We will put a recap together out there. I know Gordon and I will be out there. Justin Sweeney will be joining me. I believe Adam Turr will try and do something while we're out there. So we'll look for that down the road, but for right now, uh, we don't have any plans um, to do any Hoopsville shows. If you have questions for us, if you want to hear our opinions on something, feel free to join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com and join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're also on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well. Let's go back quickly to Salem. A wonderful championship weekend. All the games decided by a scant 13 total points. Uh, last second shot for Amherst to try and beat Benedictine. Um, St. Thomas certainly had a little bit of an easier way with Christopher Newport point spreads wise, but but the captains were in that, made a nice little run on them as well. Uh, and then the championship game certainly came down to the end. Hats off to St. Thomas for beating the number one, the number two, and the number four teams in the in the last three games. Not in that order. It was number one, number four, number two in the last three games of the tournament to earn. earn that championship, especially given Benedict in their final loss of the season, that was certainly impressive, to say the least. Um, St. Thomas adjusted to everybody. I, I thought they did an amazing job of packing it in, shutting down Marcus Carter, shutting down transition play for Christopher Newport. Christopher Newport, when we saw them get into transition, when we saw them get St. Thomas on their heels, were clearly a good team, deserved to be there, and made some awesome runs. Uh, Carter didn't take a shot until a free throw in the second part of the second half. He ended up with 10 points all in a spurt of a few minutes where he just caught fire, though he was also in foul trouble, which I think was a big factor. McFarlane had a pretty good game coming off the bench. Would love to have seen him get more minutes, but who knows what else is going on there. Thought Ben Watkins starting the game was a nice touch by John Krikorian. And then on top of that, I thought he had a nice spark to the team, though late kind of committed a foul that was unfortunate, just bad timing more than anything. Certainly the emotions of it, though, were uh, were strong for him. But all in all, thought it was a terrific weekend of basketball. Amherst, I think, of the four teams, was not, believe it or not, the most experienced team. 
I, I know they've been there three of the last four years, but let's be honest, most of the guys who were there two years ago were not playing this, uh, or were not playing then as they are now. Connor Green was a bit of a wild card. Um, nothing against Connor. Thought he had a wonderful career, but we kind of saw what his drawbacks are in that semifinal. Case in point, um, down four, or was it down two? I'm sorry, down two. Second, what ended up being the second to last possession. He puts up early an off balance three pointer trying to go for the glory uh, that missed long. I think it was an ill advised shot. There were guys in his way. I think they needed to look at running for a better option there. He forced it. Uh, that gave the ball back um, to Christopher, uh, to, I'm sorry, to, uh, to Benedictine, who was able to extend the lead to three. Granted, Green got another look at it, a very good look at it, similar circumstances on the last shot to try and force overtime. But I think the damage had been done by that point. I don't think that's the look the Amherst team really wanted on the second to last possession. That being said, certainly held their own against Benedictine and played very well, though Benedictine shot horribly in that game. Um, but it was a terrific Final Four. We will talk much more about that as the show goes on. Uh, still ahead on this show, we will hear from Keith Bunkenberg, head coach for Benedictine. We will hear from John uh, Tower, head coach for St. Thomas. We will hear from Steve Fritz, former head coach for St. Thomas and current athletics director. And I'll hear, we'll hear from Ryan Scott uh, for D3Hoops.com, his point of view. You won't hear from Pat Coleman. Hope you don't mind, but if you watch our post-game show, you can always go back and watch our post-game show and get here Pat's thoughts on it all. Then we will transition into women's basketball. Terrific set of games at Capital University. Uh, the Lord uh, Amherst nearly knocked off uh, Thomas Moore. It was a close game, single digits. Um, tight game after the third quarter, to be sure. Um, Sydney Moss put the team on her back. Uh, we will talk more about that game coming up. We'll also talk about the Tufts game and their win over Warburg. They held Warburg scoreless for 12, 12 minutes of the game to start. Unreal. Uh, but Warburg came back in it. Uh, but coming up, we'll actually hear from Jeff Hans from Thomas Moore, and we'll hear from Carla Berube from Tufts Women's Basketball, all leading up to the championship game in Indianapolis at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, the same place that the Pacers play their NBA games, the same place the D1 championship and D2 championship will be. That's different than the men's experience in Atlanta, mainly because D1 men will play in the much bigger Georgia Dome. It didn't make much sense to have D1 and 2, or D2 and 3, I should say, in that building. They were able to go right next door to the Hawks facility, uh, which made a much made a much better decision. Uh, so we're looking forward to being on the same floor as a D1, uh, but at the same time, a little bit different uh, experience, but still uh, having all three championships there. We'll, we'll hear from both coaches as they are leading up to that. We are looking to, forward to being there as well, um, etc. But that's all coming up in about two weeks time or less, depending on when you're listening. Really, it's less already because we're putting this together on the air less than two weeks from that championship, but looking forward to being in Indianapolis for that all. Quickly want to go back to the men's all-star game, another terrific event. Um, fun to do it, though I'll freely admit when I'm calling that game, it is hard to pay attention to what's going on when I'm focusing on all the student-athletes coming over for Q&As, but it was a fun game nonetheless. Um, high scoring, though, as one person pointed out, a guy in that game um, from Lynchburg was unable uh, to uh, they didn't meet the, the the point total of the Lynchburg uh, Roanoke game after the, even regulation. That game ended 134-134. This game did not. Tells you a little bit about how competitive 
that Lynchburg game really was uh, against Roanoke at Lynchburg. So nonetheless, um, it was a great event. The NABC certainly does a good job with that. Glad to see uh, it get its attention. Uh, back to the championship game. I know it was on CBS Sports Network. I have it up on my DVR. I've watched a little bit of the beginning of it. I uh, don't know if it did it justice or not, but it's at least nice to see it on network. Now, if CBS could figure out how to stream that game, we'd all appreciate it. They seem to be the only ones who don't understand streaming their events is a benefit. We all know that Watch ESPN, ESPN3 works pretty darn well. NBC likes to stream their events. I watch stuff on my computer through their streaming app all the darn time, and you can certainly do it on my mobile device. Uh, we know Fox and TNT, TBS, and everybody else seems to do it. CBS does not. Or at least it doesn't for this game. I know it does it for the D1 March Madness games, but it's not for the Division Three game, and that's a shame. Hopefully it will pop up uh, online for anybody who may have missed it and wants to watch it. Hopefully it gets re-aired on CBS Sports Network again. It did not last year, and that was certainly disappointing, but I'll keep my eye out, and if, should I see it, I'll certainly try to mention that on our Twitter account. Again, at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Also big news coming out just as we're putting this show together to be released on Tuesday. Roanoke head coach Paige Moyer announcing he is stepping down, not retiring, stepping down from Roanoke College after 27 years at the helm. Over 400 wins for the man who led the Maroons, including in a tremendous season this year. They were picked to finish 10th or 11th in the Old Dominion Athletic Conference uh, we're leading the conference for a good part of the season uh, in the mix. Just missed out on an NCAA tournament berth. Um, the, it was just fun to watch. They were named D, or Paige was named D3Hoops.com Coach of the Year for the South Region for good reason. Um, he's announced he's stepping down, going to move on to other things that tickle his fancy, whether it be administration or business or something, but still involved in basketball in some capacity. Uh, um, a big story that broke. Thus, we're, we're getting this into the show as best as we can amongst everything else that we had booked. It certainly lengthens the show as well. But coming up, we will hear from Paige. He talks to me about the decision to retire um, and the opportunities ahead for him. Again, not retire, I should say, stepping down. Stepping down from Roanoke and what those opportunities for him down the road will mean. That is coming up on this episode of Hoopsville as well. Again, a lot of good games to talk about. Don't want to kind of dive into them too much here in this pregame or this this show intro. Uh, we'll plenty get more on them as we talk to coaches and others throughout the show. Uh, so we'll get going here. But if you do have questions for us when we're not on the air, at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville, email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com and join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. At the end of the show, We'll talk about the new number one, uh, the new top twenty-five poll in men's basketball. Also, want to we'll give a shout out to one of the schools who gave us a, a gift to put here in studio. Looking forward to doing that uh, and others. So that's coming up at the end of the show um, after we're done with all the interviews. But first up, we'll cover the men's basketball. Keith Bunkenberg. We'll hear from him. Also, hear from Steve Fritz from St. Thomas, along with John Tower from St. Thomas. We'll hear Ryan Scott's point of view on what happened in Salem. Then we'll switch gears. Adam uh, Turr and Gordon Mann give us a recap of at least the uh, Amherst-Thomas Moore game. Then we'll hear from Thomas Moore coach Jeff Hans. Also hear from um, 
Tufts, I should say, Thomas Moore's head coach, Jeff Hans, and then Tufts coach, Carla Ruby will join us. Then we will recap everything and get ourselves ready for Indianapolis. That's all ahead here on Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. Currently from the WBCA NABC studios, we will tap out to Salem a few times, but then cover the rest of the show from here. Thanks for tuning in to this special show. We hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with more, starting with how, the thoughts of Benedictine on a tough loss and a tough end of, the, of an incredible season. You'll listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. More from, from the studios and from Salem, coming up next. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. In the other end of the day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, from the WBCA NABC headquarters, of course, presented by D3Hoops.com. Uh, it seems like every time we try and do this, where we record a Hoopsville show, something happens and we got to adjust. We're adjusting now. We, we have a, an interviewer slotting in now because just as we're putting this show together here on Tuesday, big news out of the South region, big news out of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. Paige Moyer, head coach for 27 years of the Roanoke Maroons, Stepping down as head coach. Um, it's certainly been a tremendous career. Don't want to um, waste any more time kind of setting it all up because he's on the Hoopsville hotline. So joining us there to talk about all this is uh, Paige Moyer. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Well, great to be with you, Dave. It was great to spend some time with you this past weekend down here in Salem. Appreciate you coming down here. Absolutely. I love coming down there. Um, obviously, big news uh, in Division Three because you're one of the stalwarts of Division III. Um, certainly one of the longer um, regimed head coaches, whatever you want to call it, certainly tenured and certainly one of those who's so important with the men's basketball program with the NABC, the Final Four, etc. Um, what what ultimately led to this decision now? Well, uh, you know, I, 
you know, four years ago, I, I had an opportunity to go to a different level to coach and, and thought about it long and hard and something I probably would have taken, but I had two things on my plate then. My, my mother was uh, uh, still around. She was she was sick, and then I was the, in line to become the president of the National Association of Basketball Coaches, and I wanted to see that through. And, uh, you know, last summer, uh, you know, I, 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 done, I was done with being the president of NBC, and uh I figured I would, I would. I would. I would just wanted to look at, at, at being at a different level. And I think part of it. I've been at one place for 27 years. That's a long time to be anywhere. And uh, I've been so fortunate to have a, a place like Ronald to call home for 27 years. It, it's it's been home. It always will be home. But yeah, I just think I've hit an age where I want a new adventure. And I think I'm still young enough to go ahead and uh, make a move and try something different. Um, what is that different going to be? Do you have any idea? Do you have a sense? Yeah, I've, I've talked about a dozen people over this whole season uh, that, that, that probably are uh, you know key people in my career or people I know, and uh, you know it, it could be in coaching, it could be in administration, uh, it could be on the recruiting end of things. You know, I'm, I'm first brothers, I'm gonna see how I can stay in coaching. I think I've got two opportunities. One is a, a business opportunity, totally outside of sports. Uh, the other one is in basketball, but it's not actually coaching. And those things can wait until after May. And I think I'm going to look at what coaching opportunities come my way uh, at a different level. I don't think I'm I'm not looking to coach in Division Three. I think I couldn't have found a better state at Roanoke for that because I, I couldn't find a better place to be at than Roanoke. Uh, but I'm going to look and see what opportunities come across for me. And uh, you know, if I don't have anything by May first, uh, I've got another opportunity I'm going to take uh, that's not coaching. Well, it certainly is an interesting step. Uh, 27 years at Roanoke. Obviously, you guys had a tremendous season this year. Uh, on top of the conference, when you were picked to finish 10th or 11th, uh, named D3Hoops.com South Region Coach of the Year as a result, just missed out on an NCAA tournament opportunity. Uh, did that make the success you had this season make it maybe just a little bit more difficult to make this decision? It, it made it easier and more difficult. I think it made it more difficult because I think, you know, these were just great young men. And uh, I've had a lot of great men and a lot of great teams play for me. But it was one of those unique teams that you don't get every single season where they just bonded together. Uh, they did what I asked them to do, and uh, they did it very well. Uh, it made it easier because now I can go out with Ronald College heading the right direction. I mean, we're getting ready to move into one of the best facilities in Division Two or Division Three athletics in the Craiger Center. It's fantastic. It's a game changer for Ronald College. Um, along with that, I'm, I'm leaving whoever takes my place a very good team. Uh, they're going to have a chance to come in here and hopefully uh, continue the success that these guys started this past season. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm excited to be able to lead the program that way. It has been a real downer to lead the program last year, you know, after one of the, a ten win season or something like that. Now I can kind of walk out saying, "Hey, we got this thing where it needs to be." And I'm, Ed Green turned the program over to me 27 years ago in great shape, uh, and I feel thankful that I can do the same thing for somebody else now. Well, it's interesting. You talk about the new place. I almost kind of wrote off the idea that you might retire. And I think when we talked to, to you earlier this season, you didn't seem to allude to the fact because you had this new place coming that you wanted to maybe play in that in that new place. Was was that part of the temptation to stay? Yeah, that would have been. And I'm excited. You know, I was excited. I'm excited about running. Running still my school, so I'm going to talk about it with excitement about the Crager Center for for the program. Uh, but but you know, I kind of I knew most of this season that I think, hey, this is gonna be a great and it was a great ride going through, but you know, it's time for somebody else to take the helm of what we have here and uh hopefully take it uh to an even higher level and uh the Craig Center is gonna be a cool place, but I'm fine with not coaching in it. I feel good about it. I'm, I'm you know, I've been in the Bass Center forever so this has been my home. Maybe they should rename it the Paige Moyer Center. 
or the Moyer Center, since your dad and yourself have had so much success, <clears throat> obviously, in coaching. Uh, 27 years, Paige, it's a long time to be with a school. Uh, obviously, 428 wins uh, is, is nothing to shake a stick at either. You've had an amazing career at Roanoke. When you look at what you want to do going forward, how much is it pulling what you've done at Roanoke? Or are you really trying to do something new? Yes, I definitely am. Uh, and like I said, I, I want a new adventure. And uh, it could be in coaching, but if it does, it's going to be as an assistant, you know, supporting maybe a young coach. Uh, one of my real good friends uh, in this world is a guy named Mike Gentry. He was a strength coach at Virginia Tech for 29 years mm-hmm. during Frank Beamer's entire era. And uh, me and Mike were talking in December uh, when he, you know, he's making a career move uh, because they brought in a new staff. And he said, you know, I think there are three phases to a career. And one is you learn your craft. You try to become the best at it you possibly can. Then there's the middle section, which is the long section where you practice your craft. And there's the third where you you wind it down, but you're trying to mentor and you're trying to help what you did improve and help young people get into it and do it the right way. And I think I'm you know phasing into that third stage. And I'd like to be a support person and assistant if I stay in this, or even be in the athletic administration. I mean, a, a AD job at the right school would appeal to me. Uh, but you know, we'll see where it leads. I'm gonna. I want to go to the Final Four. Uh, without a job and uh and that way people know i'm serious because i can't tell you the last couple of years when i've talked to people about certain opportunities it's man you're never gonna leave there you're never gonna yeah well you know what (laughs) it was time for me to leave and i am and uh i'm excited about being able to leave it the way we did but i'm looking for a new adventure you're basically setting it up to uh, call everybody's bluff in ever in other words Um, i've called it (laughs) yeah pretty much how much is this also timed with your departure for the nabc board you were president Last year, this year, you were president emeritus, basically, in a, in a kind of a secretarial um, stepping away way. You don't have any more responsibilities with the NABC. Was it also timed with that so that you're when you're stepping away from that, you're also stepping away from the program? Yeah, it did. I mean, like I said, four years ago, I was offered a really good opportunity at a Division One school that I, mean, I kind of like to take that. But, you know, the, I, w- I wasn't going to do it because of the NABC uh, position that I had. And I wanted to see that all the way through. And uh, yeah, that opportunity is not out there right now like it was. But, you know, I'm anxious to see, uh, you know, I've, one thing about being on the board and coming from Division One to Division Three, I'm still pretty well networked into that level. Yeah. Uh, you know, I run my camps with Del Curry, and, and we were teammates at Virginia Tech. And, yeah. you know, I was talking to him for about an hour on Sunday. And, you know, he said, man, you sure, you sure, you sure? I said, man, I've been sure. You know that. And, and uh, he assured me that, you know, he'd get Stefan to make the first call for me, my old camper. <laughs> well, uh, that yeah, uh, you got some good connections there for sure. I mean, you do have connections. You and I have talked a number of times, and you've been more than helpful with Hoopsville especially, and even getting Del Curry on this show in the past. And uh, we know you've done a lot. Uh, will you suspect then you'll be leaving the Roanoke area? If we come back to Salem for a Final Four, are, are we not going to see Mr. Paige Moyer sitting in the sidelines? Well, it's hard to tell. Uh, you know, I'll see where I end up. Uh, if I end up in the business world, I will probably still be here in the Roanoke area. So uh, I'll be volunteering. And, uh, I'll be down uh, probably wearing a, a, a coat and tie down there at uh, Awful Arthur's and yanking it off for uh, <laughs> the, the initial Thursday of the D3 Final Four. Yeah. That's one thing I know, uh, you know, that separate away from it's one of the most enjoyable weekends. It's almost like Christmas for me to have my basketball friends come in and us hang out. And the first uh, weekend of the tournament's like Christmas, but it lasts four days. And, uh, you know, that's a great memory for me. And uh, we'll just see where I land next year. But hopefully, uh, at worst, I'll be able to come in for a day or so. And, of course, I'm going to follow Division Three like nobody else. I'm a fan of Division Three. have so many good memories and coaches uh, and just uh, colleagues like yourself that uh, I, I know and love. And, 
and look forward to following. And that's a great thing about our social media in our world that you can do it easily. Yeah, that is a fair point. Um, Paige, you've been instrumental in, in the growth of Hoopsville. People don't realize it behind the scenes. You and the NABC uh, certainly have been uh, pushing the show along and helping us along the way. And I certainly appreciate it. Um, I don't want to tip my hat to you. I know you've got to get going with something else, but I wanted to get a chance to get you on today's show uh, before we released it. So thanks for finding the time. But really a heartfelt thank you to you uh, and the NABC for your help. Uh, as always, we give uh-huh. the coach the final word. I think it feels appropriate now to give you the final word. Any final thoughts for those who are tuning in? Well, first off, uh, again, thanks for what you and D3Hoops do for uh, Division Three basketball and giving us a, just a tremendous platform. And, uh, you know, I wish everybody in Division Three uh, in the basketball community the best. Uh, I've had an unbelievable run. Uh, but, as, you know, Al McGuire once said, hey, sometimes the, the carnival's closed, the circus closes up, mm-hmm. and uh, now's the time for me, and I look forward to what the future holds, but also look forward to maintaining my friendships and, and love of Division Three and follow it uh, very intently. Hopefully the Maroons will uh, uh, be a topic for your uh, show many times in the future i'm sure they will congratulations sir and good luck thank you appreciate dave page moyer joining us on the hoopsville hotline page moyer once again joining us on the hoopsville hotline want to thank him for coming on very last minute there sneaking him in so we could get this segment on the show it would be horrible to release a show and have missed that kind of news uh i really mean that page has been a major part of this show charlie brock bill raleigh mark uh uh (laughs) I knew I was going to forget names, and i sorry. But um, uh, Mike McGrath, uh, Dan Priest, uh, Gary uh, uh, Stewart at Stevenson, but Paige Moyer especially, really big supporters of this show, have found ways to get it to work for us, and they've been instrumental. So to have Paige um, sign off is bittersweet. He's been a wonderful asset. Kicking myself because I had a chance to go see him on Sunday, and I would have had a better chance to say uh, congratulations to him then. But um, tremendous uh, career for him. He and his dad combined tremendous career. Sounds like he's got great things ahead of him, and uh, we wish him the best. We'll keep in touch with him. Maybe we'll get him on a Hoops Hill Marathon show down the road to see what he's up to these days. But congratulations to him. Roanoke will be looking for its uh, what third ever, fourth ever coach, I think, in program history. Uh, the first coach and. Uh, 27, 28 years. Um, so tremendous um, uh, length of tenure there for Paige Moyer. As he said, opening up the brand new center, it's going to be a wonderful place for basketball in Division Three. Looking forward to that. I'm going to miss him, though. Going to miss Paige in Division Three. I'm going to miss my chats with him while he's involved. I'm not going to miss chatting with him because I know I'll do that, but I'm going to miss his, uh, his involvement in everything. Uh, with that, we'll go back to what we originally scheduled for this show. Coming up next, we will talk to, um, uh, we'll go to, well, basically, we'll talk about the men's final four and we'll hear from Keith Bunkenberg. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA. And most importantly, after that interview, the NABC Hoopsville Studios. Back with more after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation not merely to work towards a personal best in the classroom, 
are in the sport we love, but rather an obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. For Special Olympics athletes, victory belongs not only to those who first cross the line, but to all of those who compete and endure. They are challenged in ways we cannot imagine. They are survivors who test themselves harder and with greater joy than we will ever know. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn, as we all do, that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Sport ennobles us, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. We are in studio for this part of the show. We appreciate you for, us for joining us as we're just getting underway. Again, apologies for not being able to do this show live Sunday or Monday. We hope you understand. But if you're watching the show or listening to the archives or listening on podcasts, for example, we appreciate it. You can always follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And, of course, on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well. Uh, in 2013, quick note, we uh, kind of kept doing shows all the way up to the championship, to be honest. Not sure how we had any content to do that. We are not doing that with the women. So we're going to use this show as our bridge to Indianapolis. However, we're going to be talking about the women still to come. We're going to now talk about the men, get that championship underway, or really get that coverage taken care of here for you. Um, great game, as we mentioned at the top of the show, between St. Thomas and Benedictine. Um, Benedictine finally kind of ran into their match, as it were. They had faced a number of good teams with good size inside and good shooters outside and figured out a way to still dominate, especially dominating on the boards. The difference was they couldn't dominate on the boards this time. They actually lost the rebounding battle. Only the second time this season that they lost the rebounding battle. And so Lucas, Luke Johnson and others were kind of maybe a little bit more exposed, didn't have second-chance opportunities, etc., you saw defensive switches, um, especially between Reynolds and Johnson guarding Montero and Sorella on the inside. I thought uh, Sorella had a much better experience against Reynolds, which I was a little surprised by how well Reynolds had played against Connor Green the night before against Amherst. Um, and you saw Johnson get removed a lot of times. If he was guarding Sorella or he was guarding Montero, they would pull him out of the paint or pull him to the other side. They'd run the offense on the other end, so Johnson couldn't be a major factor when Johnson was able to come over on help defense in the post or the primary defender on the on the on the post he's he did a really good job and would get help when needed it was when they uh, isoed with him on the other side that they had a lot of success especially Sorella against Reynolds um there was one time though I remember uh, Sorella took Johnson on the dribble though it resulted in one of the more acrobatic shots when Johnson got up and threw a hip check. So Benedictine kind of you know certainly was challenged in this one. I don't know if if the whole weekend got to him or not. They didn't have a great shooting night against Amherst. They didn't have a good shooting first half, really, really first ten minutes against uh, St. Thomas. Finally found their shooting touch, which got them back into the game. Johnson had a monster dunk late in the game that got them to a point where they were on a nice run, but it was immediately responded to by the Tommies. If that is not immediate, 
If there's a stop on the other end, a turnover or a missed shot, or another rebound for Benedictine, and they can come down the floor, I think that changes the, 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 the tempo of the game. But Johnson's fast break, one-handed slam <laughs> on Sorella, which was spectacular, was immediately matched by the Tommies, and that made a big difference. I also thought a big turning point late in the game, um, two-possession ball game, six-point game after a couple free throws, or at least one free throw, I believe, um, by Schaefer. Dotson comes down the floor. Now, their number one guy, Hayden's out due to foul trouble. So Dotson's got the ball in his hands. And Dotson makes what I think is a rookie mistake for a senior. He drives the paint for two. Remember, they had started the, with 14.4 seconds on the clock. He drives the paint, gets two easy points with 8.8 seconds on the clock. The problem there was it doesn't change the equation of the game. It's still a two-possession ball game. They still now have to trap or foul. Um, I, I think you need to look for the three and take the two as a second chance opportunity. I think you have to look for a three pointer there. And Dotson didn't look for that. Dotson drove immediately for the paint. St. Thomas granted had good defense on the perimeter, but they hadn't gotten a look. And Dot, nobody looked for that first. Dotson drove first. And I think that was a big point because two possession ball game. They had fought to that within 14.4. Anything's possible with a shot by Olsen. Uh, even Johnson could have hit a three-pointer at that point in time. He had hit a couple already that game. Um, a couple other guys could have certainly spotted up for a three uh, and looked for that as an option. Even Reynolds could have shot one. But instead, Dotson drove and got two. And again, yeah, four points, but didn't change the two-possession ball game scenario. Didn't make it a one-possession ball game, which made it, made it a little bit more difficult. So, you know, St. Thomas gets to extend back to six points versus playing the 3-4-5 game, which I think changes the equation tremendously. Congratulations to St. Thomas as they went on to win, obviously, and unfortunate for Benedictine, who lost their first game of the season. Um, great opportunity afterward. When we did the Hoopsville postgame show, Coach uh, Bunkenberg decided, was willing, was receptive to coming up and joining us live on the show. Instead of trying to find him for another interview or anything, we figured it would just be better to bring you that. So here is Coach Mungenberg joining us on the Hoopsville pregame show, Pat Coleman and myself. I should say postgame show, Pat Coleman and myself. Here's what he had to say after the game. Um, you told me in pregame, if you guys lost, you weren't hanging your heads. Losing hurts, especially when you get this far. Still hard not to hang your head, though? You know, this group is phenomenal. Um... Yeah, they, they got to walk out with their heads held high. Um, you know, we uh, we battled the whole game. Uh, our, our kids, you know, we were down, what, 8, 10 with, with four or five minutes to go or six minutes to go. We could have packed it in. Mm -hmm. We didn't. Uh, I think we ended up cutting it to, to two with about a minute, to, a little over a minute to go. We're right there. You know, yep. we got an opportunity to get a stop and, and, and maybe make a play. And, and um uh, this group has has been fighting all year, all year, no matter what the circumstance, no no matter what the situation, um, they have been unreal. I couldn't be more proud of this group of men than I am tonight. It was certainly an impressive run just to get here in the first place. But, you know, you guys battled in this game. You, you didn't have, really, you battled this weekend. You guys didn't play your best here. You know, I don't, you can go through all the reasons of that, mm -hmm. but... What does it mean to you to even have a chance at the end, to be within a couple possessions in the end after the season you guys have gone through? You know, uh, 
Yeah, like you said, you know, maybe we didn't play our best basketball um, or, 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 as, or as good as we could. But, you know, credit to the other teams. I mean, yeah. Amherst and, and St. Thomas are, are really good. And so um, um, they did things to kind of take some things away from us a little bit. The experience for this week, this weekend, these guys are going to have memories for a lifetime. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, losing, you know, you're, you're, you know, I told them when they get older and, and they're telling stories uh, to their grandkids, you know, everything's going to be, um, oh, that one play. You remember when that one play I went up for a dunk and, you know, we only had one dunk, Luke, but, but we'll probably have seven or eight yeah. dunks by the end, by, by the time these guys get older. But, uh, <laughs> but the, these guys, you know, you know, it's hard. You know, you do have an undefeated season going in. You, you'd like to finish it off. You know, you'd like to finish it off with another win, and you're in the national title game. Let's win it. You know, we talked about that. Let's let's go after it. And uh, you never know what you're going to come back when you're going to come back. This is hard, guys. This is a hard place to, to get, get here? to. Yeah. Yes, yeah. this is hard. And so what these guys have done, you know, I mean, look at it. During the course of the season, we knew people didn't know who we were. You know, how good are they? You know, all right, they've beaten some TCIW schools. They've they've won some games in their league, but. You know, how, how good is this team? And so we've proven we're really good. Yeah, you did. We have a lot of talent. We've played some, some of the best teams in the country, and this, this program's come a long way. And so I'm really happy for, for our kids. And, and great support here, too, for the oh, weekend. Great fan support Great fan guys. support. I thank those guys and our students for driving 10 hours and our, 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 um, our administration for coming out. I mean, it's just uh, it's been a great ride. Yeah, let me ask about that, too, because uh, obviously, as you said, great fan support here. A lot of people showed up in Salem. What does that do for the, you know, for the program going forward? You have so much more visibility, not just in Division Three, but on your own campus. And sometimes in D3, that's hard to come by. It is. You know, I mean, um, let's keep it going. You know, I mean, we, we, we have to do things as a staff and as, and as a school to make sure we continue to support our programs, which we've done across the board. Um, you know, we've, we've made a name for ourselves this, this weekend as, as maybe a team that can compete on a national level, and that's what we want. Um, we've, won, we've won a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of conference, conference titles and, and conference tournaments over the 20 years I've been there, but we really haven't done it on a national level. And now, now we've gotten there, so we get into somebody's living room or we go see a kid at a game, yeah. we say, hey, we can compete at a national level. Come play for us. Look at the games. Look at the look at the support we've got. Look at the people that come to our game. Look at how many people are here. The atmosphere, all that we can sell. Yeah, um, sure. we got a responsibility now to do that. To 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 take us, to, to continue to take us on a national level. And that's that's my job to do that. Our coaching staff to do that. Um, we'll see what the future holds here. Uh, Luke Johnson, tell me. Let's talk about him. Name player of the year. By D3Hoops.com at the end of the game. Didn't know if you knew that. That's why somebody I wanted to told slide me that the, one in. Somebody told me in the media room. <laughs> had a monster dunk. Had a couple of huge three-pointers. Almost, almost put this team on his back. At the same time, he was still unselfish. Yeah, you know, big players play well in big games. Uh, he did that tonight. And uh, you guys you guys watched him. You've watched him play Dave a couple times. And, and Pat, you watched him tonight. I mean, you know, he doesn't get flustered. No, you know right. what I mean? He's not like That's too, true. you know, I mean, he's not out there rah-rahing, getting really, I mean, uh, in, in big situations, he, he, he can handle those. And uh, we're, you know, we're, he just epitomizes of, of the unselfishness because I really feel he's a kid that can take over a game, maybe mm -hmm. score 25, score 30 a game, but he, he gives it up. He gets other people involved. 
and he's done that all year. Tonight is tonight too. I mean, he's our third leader in assist. Yeah, he's six nine. Yep. You yeah. know, I mean, I call him your point guard. Yeah, right. And so, um, uh, you know, we may never get a player like him again at, our, at you know at our level or at Division three. I mean, he's just a special kid. Uh, what a great game for him tonight. Yeah, he almost he strapped it on and and almost almost carried us to the win and. You know, that dunk, I just felt momentum was going mm -hmm. our way. You know, it was going our way. It was. And uh, I thought St. Thomas was on our heels, and, and our kids were just, were, we were there. And just, uh, again, we just couldn't make some plays down the stretch. Uh, before I let you go, if you don't mind me asking, uh, what was the message to the team in the locker room? Um, it was emotional. Uh, you know, a lot of kids crying. Um, you know, you work so hard. Yeah. You know, and, and we talked about it before the game. This didn't start... October 15th. This started after our season last year. We started working hard after our last game last year. Um, I just told them to be proud of, of what they've accomplished, the people that they've touched, um, the, the, the fans that have come out to this game, uh, the, the people that, that have come to our games in the last you know two months, the experience that they've given our students. That's true. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. And, and so, that's never going to be taken away from them. Um, just because we lost tonight doesn't take away our season, who we are. Walk out with your heads high and thank people that have helped us get here. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and really be appreciative. And so it was, it was tough. You know, those are always tough. But uh, to be that close, right, yeah, to be that man, close. On the doorstep. Yep, on the doorstep of winning a national title. Uh, you know, you start thinking about every possession, every play, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not going to think about it right now. I'm going to try and just get some sleep. Yeah, let's get some sleep. <laughs> you haven't yeah, slept I'm in try. a while. No, I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> but uh, what a group. What a group. Um, talent, uh, unselfish, um, just wanted to win. And uh, it was uh, it was really fun to coach them. And I'm privileged to have have those guys part of our program. As always, I always give the final word to the guest. I don't know if you have any final thoughts left after that one, but I, yeah. I do leave you the door. Well, thanks to you guys. Really appreciate, again, what you guys have done. Um, thanks to our, our school, our administration, our staff, our students, all the people that have supported us throughout the year. Um, hopefully they'll come out and continue to support us. Hope we can continue to have a good, really good product. Our coaching staff, um, you know, Matt Jones, uh, Frank Janzak, Joe Fano, uh, what a great job they did. I mean, uh, as a staff, we, uh, um, we, we really feel that we had a special group and we wanted to put them in a position to have success, and, and they did that, and, and a big part of, of who we are and what we do. So um, really proud of our team, proud of our kids. I hope, I hope um, they, they walk out of here really proud of, of what they've done, and uh, it's going to hurt for a little bit. Um, but, I, you know, they're, they're, they're a phenomenal group, and I'm just really appreciative of those kids. Again, thanks to Keith Bungenberg for joining us. I'd say 15, 20 minutes after the game. Certainly appreciate him doing that. He was very gracious in doing so. Uh, no, you didn't hear the last word. Uh, we jokingly threw that to him, but after having a, a, a little bit of a joke about who is retiring, uh, I, I apparently had called his career done if you'd been watching the postgame show. Uh, but nonetheless... Uh, thanks to Coach for joining us. Hats off to Benedictine. Again, tremendous season. You go all the way to the championship game undefeated. Hats off. The last team to do that was 98, wisconsin Platteville. Now, they went on to win the championship, but that was the last time an undefeated team even got into the title game. The furthest before that was 99, 
when Connecticut College got to the semifinals undefeated and lost. And the furthest, most recent, was 09 when St. Thomas lost in the round of eight to Wash U, who's on the second, on the run of second two of their, I should say, on the second run of their two championships back to back. So just to get there, beat five CCIW teams, get through the conference unscathed, and by the way, winning a lot of those games pretty big, and then get through the NCAA tournament. Granted, one less game than everybody else, but that's n- neither here nor there. But they got through some darn good teams to do it. They beat a good Amherst team to get to the title game and just ran out of gas against St. Thomas. Congratulations to Benedictine. They lose a bit next year. They lose uh, Hayden, for example. They lose Johnson. Um, uh, they'll lose some other pieces. I think they lose Reynolds as well. they got some other pieces, though. They're going to stay competitive. I don't see them going undefeated next year. Um, I think they'll be a little bit more exposed. Johnson, it's going to take two guys to replace Johnson. I think some of the talent coming off the bench needs to to gain a little bit more experience and maybe hone up on some of their skills. Um, Chalton, for example, is a, is a good threat from outside, though he'll probably start more games than he won't, etc. So really looking forward to seeing how this all plays out for Benedictine, but they're certainly in the mix now. Who knows how much this changes recruiting for them as well. Um, but congratulations um, uh, on a terrific run. Their point guard comes back next year. That will be important. Uh, so looking forward to seeing how this all plays out for Benedictine. Uh, when we come back, we'll hear, we'll go to Salem basically for the next few segments. We'll hear from St. Thomas uh, head coach um, uh, John Tower. We'll also hear from the former head coach and AD Steve Fritz. And we'll hear from Ryan uh, Scott, who joined us there in D3 at Salem for D3hoops.com. The order is going to be Fritz, Tower, Scott, and that's all coming up on Hoopsville. And then we'll still talk women's basketball. That's all ahead. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3hoops.com. We're currently from the WBCA and ABC studios, but we'll head out to Salem for pre-taped stuff uh, after the break. You're watching Hoopsville. Back with more in a moment. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a current Division III student-athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first-year student-athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I believe student-athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion. I pledge to support and encourage my teammates to support my campus's LGBTQ student group by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe that everyone should be educated on LGBTQ issues. I pledge to work with my athletic department and my campus to foster dialogue and create a community of support, respect, and pride. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are Division III student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. 
There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Salem Civic Center. I am Dave McHugh, joined now by the Athletics Director at St. Thomas, former men's basketball coach as well, has his name on the floor, Steve Fritz. And uh, you have got to be thrilled to see oh, this championship. It's, it's just unbelievable, Dave. It's, uh, you go a long time wondering if you can play at this level and then yeah. have it happen twice in five years yeah. and be here three times in five years. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely incredible opportunity to, to even get here, as you say. Obviously, you had made it to two championship weekends as head coach. John Tower was part of those in some capacity as a player and then as an, an assistant coach. Then they got back twice with him. You both have rings now. I know 13 kind of stuck in the craw for a, a lot of people, how good that team was. But it kind of reminded me also of 09, how yeah. good that team yeah, was. Yeah, 09 was the one that uh, I, got think, away. I think it was good enough to win it. You know, you play uh, Wash U in the, you know, just to get here. And yeah. God, we had a pretty good position there. It hadn't turned it over 18 times in the first <laughs> half. And no. then, you know, couldn't get it done. But it would have been fun to meet that. That, that game to be here. Yeah, that would have been a lot of fun. Unfortunately, that was, I think, the, the season of the bracket of death, and yep. eventually we uh, found a way to do better brackets. But kind of serendipity uh, with this team. Um, we'll talk to John Tower coming up about it, but the team that won in 2011 had to get through Augustana mm -hmm. to get here. They had to win in, in Rock Island in the quarterfinals. So did this team. Both teams started the postseason 24-3. and three. Both teams had really talented senior classes who had a lot of similarities mm -hmm. to each other. You could start with Grant Schaefer and Nikolai, for example, at the guard play. Um, both senior classes end up with 106 wins. Uh, I think he played a CCIW game in the second round of both. I mean, there's so many things you can point to. It, it's just, it's eerie. Yeah, no question. Even same date. Exact, yeah. Exact same date. That's a good point. Augie and the, yeah, yeah, I, to get here and to, to do well, you you got to have certain parts, and, and generally it's a good senior class. Uh, you know, we lost some key games back in 2011, and you know the, the yeah. last six weeks were just unbelievable. Win the last 12, this crew lost in the in the uh, conference final, and I think they made up their mind that you know this this is something they want to get to. So you you really got to raise your play, and everybody's got to play well. I mean, Sorella's been just unbelievable for yeah. the last six weeks, and. Grant and Cortez and uh, Taylor are just, you know, you got that's the kind of players you got to have, and that's the way they got to play. What's it like to watch, though? Yeah, I mean, the last time they won this one, you were you were part of it. Obviously, uh, John was your assistant. But what's it like to watch a team, especially one you've been so close to, go win the championship? Well, it's always more fun as a coach. There's no question. Game days are <laughs> that's, the, that's the biggest thing I miss is is the game days and the camaraderie of being around the kids and, and coaches and things. Like I don't miss travel and uh, <laughs> sure a lot you don't. of those things, but. <laughs> Just, you know, I'm just so proud of Johnny, you know, to have a kid that played for you and such a great, uh, you know, he's a, he's a tremendous teacher in the classroom. And, you know, the, the thing, he's so far ahead of me as a coach at this <laughs> age and all that. It's, it's just unbelievable. He's a better recruiter. He, he's much more of a student of the game and things like that. But to see what he's doing and what the future is and things like that, 
you know, makes it a lot of fun. It's, yeah, I uh, joked at the championship dinner. He he, co he he was a student under you. Yeah. He was an assistant under you. As a head coach, he's under you as an athletics director. Your yeah. name is on the court. He had a wonderful retort. <laughs> you know, he always wanted you to play better. He always yeah. wanted you to have a better have your his offense that he was responsible for to actually do something on the floor. You wanted a better product on the court, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, all of that, it, are you guys going to have to find room for John Tower on Steve Fritz court? Gee, man, I don't know. I don't have much to do with those kind of things. So <laughs> it's, uh, but he, he's, uh, there'll be some day, you know. He's yeah. got a lot of years, I hope, to, to lead this program. And uh, it, it's just he's such a tremendous young person and uh, well-spoken and, you know, just the kind of people you want representing the university and obviously this program. And obviously St. Thomas Athletics, obviously we'll take a side step here on, yeah. from just basketball, but St. Thomas Athletics has come a long way too. And now you've got, you've won championships and lots of different sports. One of the few that has won them, and I can't even name all the ones off the top of my head that, that you've won them in. But you know, what is this to add another championship in basketball? What does that mean to what is now a pretty big legacy at St. Thomas? We're, we're very proud of all of our sports. We have 22 sports, 11 for men and women, and we have uh, about the same number of national championships on both sides. But one of the things we've always strived for is great balance in the program. It certainly is great right now to have the the, the Anderson facility. It's just yeah. unbelievable. We got you know that's five years old or six years old now, and uh, that's added a lot. And uh, I'm so proud of our whole staff. We really. Uh, if there's a, any kind of legacy that I have over the years, it's hiring good people and let them work. And, they, you know, Chiefers, you got a Glenn Caruso in football and you got a Johnny Tower. And Ruth Sin does such a great job with our women's program. Mm -hmm. uh, we're over in Greensboro this weekend with uh, uh, both of our swimming teams. And that's something we were a long time. Nobody ever heard of us. And, and just doing very well. One uh, young woman won two national championships that were there this weekend. So. And our hockey programs are strong, and yep. uh, all, all the programs just do very well, so we're, we're thrilled. By the way, really good club lacrosse team for any of you lacrosse fans out there. You don't want them to necessarily become a Division Three program either. Yeah. That would shift the focus of lacrosse in a different direction. Yeah. Uh, totally tongue-in-cheek and joking. Uh, I think the pressure now turns to Glenn Caruso. He's gotten his program here twice, the same two years that John was able to get his program here. John's over the threshold now. He's got the championship to himself. Uh, I'm sure Glenn's going to start feeling some pressure, won't he? Well, I can hardly wait for that conversation <laughs> between the two. But, uh, you know, it, it's a little bit like Benedictine, too, when we talk. It really helps to be in the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, it, there's a lot to this championship and three weeks of playing two games and a lot of travel to get here and the excitement of it all. And, you know, they went 30 and all. That, that's got to be uh, amazing. You know, to be at this level undefeated, is uh, it, it's unbelievable. So. You know, they'll they'll draw a lot from this, and, and that and both the times we've been here in football, we come away, come away knowing something. that we're better. You know yeah. that uh, you know you still got to get over the Mount Union and uh, you <laughs> that's know, all. so forth. But you know, well at least you got purple. Happen. At anyway. least you have purple. And we were, we had a chance this year. You know, <laughs> yeah. we, if we'd have got the next touchdown when we were up fourteen nothing, who knows? But uh, you learn a lot from them. That that's who you want to be like, and uh, you know. You get enough chances at it; it's going to happen. So I, I don't have any doubt Glenn will get that done too. Was there any point in, in the game that you thought, "Yeah, we've got this," or was it right at the buzzer? Uh, it was about uh, two and a half minutes left. I oh, thought. really? Yeah, well, we there was a little bit of a run going then. Yeah, we talk about. Well, that's true too. We always talk about possessions. So yes. When you, we were up, we kept it at two possessions. Yep. Except for when the kid had the dunk, and we came right back off of it, and then they get you know we made enough free throws to keep it at three possessions, and that's hard to overcome when you get under a minute. And yeah especially the way these guys shoot free throws and take care of the ball. Yeah. So. 
Hey, you joked with me. Uh, you guys played really good free throw defense yeah. in this this weekend. That's the interesting thing. It's <laughs> like we had it happen in, uh, uh, I guess it must have been 2010. We, we, we were building our facility and weren't at home, but we had a couple games that season too that teams had us, but they just couldn't make free throws. Yeah. And both of these teams, you know, as good as they are, really suffered at the line. And, yeah. you know, when you're talking about, a, you know, winning by four last night, maybe seven with the last second shot, and then tonight too, it's, you know, those free throws can keep those possessions a lot yeah. closer. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't do much about that, but that's, uh, that's the way the game is. Well, congratulations to you, just as being an athletics director, of making the right Appreciate hire it, and yeah. uh, apparently retiring at just the right moment. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> it does become time, and you find out, you know, when you're doing both of the jobs that I did yeah. for a long time that, yeah. uh, you know, I'd be at a hockey game on Friday night thinking I'm at a, should be at a high school basketball game, and you, you just have more time to do what yeah. you should be doing. It's, uh, and, you know, when you'd be able to turn it over to John Tower, it's, uh, you it's had unbelievable. A, you had a good protege to turn it over to. Yeah. Um, but congratulations on yet another national title for the Tommies. Uh, as always, I don't know if you remember, I always give the final word to the guests. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Well, we just, we just have a great appreciation for everything that's gone on here, and uh, we appreciate all that you do, too. With uh, it, it's, it's great for Division Three. You know, it's, it's the support that you give and things. But uh, we just uh, have a great appreciation that, you know, we were here and able to win it again. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's an amazing run. Congratulations to you. Thanks so much. Enjoy Dave. this one. Shall he do. is Steve Fritz. When we come back, we'll talk to the head coach, John Tower of the St. Thomas Tommies, about the national championship. You're listening to Hoopsville from Salem for now. Back after this. Division three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things, not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. It's on us, it's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us, it's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Welcome back to Hoops Hill, obviously here in Salem on our post-game set. Obviously, we're watching this on Sunday. We're, we're on Saturday time still here. I am now joined by John Tower, the champion head coach of the St. Thomas Tommies. You had to beat number one, number four, and number two 
to pull this off. Congratulations. Thank you. They, uh, you know, the road is never easy, and um, to beat three teams of that caliber and really go back, Whitman, oh, yeah. who was number, I think, 11, but yep. he just beat number three, Whit Whitmworth, and yep. Elmhurst, who was as high as second in the country. I mean, I look at the road that we had in starting with Central, and um, I don't think it could have been much tougher. It's always difficult and an arduous journey, but um, just incredibly gratifying to see our players, our seniors, and everybody who's dedicated themselves to this season. And uh, win tough game after tough game. I think those last three teams came into those games with a record of 90 and two. Yeah. And uh, to win three straight games against yeah. teams with a collective 90 and two record is pretty. Uh, it's pretty a little awesome. weird. It's a little scary. Yeah. It's a little crazy. That's yeah. what it is. I don't know if you could face three teams with much better records, quite frankly. No, I, it's almost impossible. Um, you guys had an, in, in, an incredible ability to not only A, kind of take apart Christopher Newport. I don't know if you were standing next to me when John Krikorian this morning, again, Saturday, said something to the effect of, we knew what our flaws were, and I'm watching them expose our flaws and just knew there was just no way. And then against Benedictine, you were able to expose some of their flaws as well. You're only one of two teams out rebound them this season. You guys just have an amazing ability to adjust to a team and, and shut them down. What, where does that come from? Well, I mean, I think two things. Number one, I've got, I'm biased, but the best staff in the country. You know, we don't have any full-time assistants. Most schools do. We don't. Mike Keating, who runs our defense and schemes, I think, as well as anybody. He's an incredibly young coach. Um, and then a guy like Jay Pivik, who's in the JUCO Hall of Fame and his experience, and John Hughes, who's been here 25 years, and two young coaches, and Josh Rodenbiker and Tim Jarmus. And so the, the way we've divvied up responsibilities and Mike is scheming the defense and other guys have personnel and tendencies, um, I think that's a big part of it. And we would not be here without each one of them. And I think the second part is our players completely trust the game plan. You know, So we go into a game and, and we may say, look, if they make this shot from this zone on the court, Okay, we'll live with that. Hmm. And you know, some of that I'm a nerd, so statistically, I, you know, I should have been an actuarial scientist. That's what my aptitude <laughs> test said as a kid. So my Way my assistant that. coaches get very tired of me talking about analytics, and yeah. uh, but our guys trust in um, whatever the game plan is, knowing that they know where the other four guys are going to be on the court. And so I think you know we just saw some unbelievable teams, but I think the assistant coaches preparation combined with our players trust in that system is is probably uh the major factors you had to turn around though in less than 24 hours to beat augustana you had to turn around in less than 24 hours to beat elmhurst you had to turn around in less than 24 hours to beat benedictine where does that come from i mean that that usually exposes your own flaws because there's only so much that you can figure out and there's only so much that the team can absorb are you guys prepping those games in the week leading up, or is that is that just coming in cold? Oh, well, we're prepping some in advance, and that is difficult because you've yeah. got, your game on Friday is absolutely your foremost focus. But, again, our assistant coaches, I, I didn't think much about Benedictine or Amherst going into this weekend. I was focused on what are we doing against Christopher Newport, but Mike Keating was absolutely thinking about it. <laughs> Jay Pivik, John Hughes, Josh Rodenbiker, Tim Jarmus were absolutely thinking about it. So then last night... We get going at about 11 p.m. and you and I have texted enough times at 3 a.m. Yes, and I know are. how sleepless you are. Uh, there are a lot of long late nights, and I don't, you know. I By don't the way, mind. don't do that this week. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> I don't mind long nights, and I think to bed. Last night we probably got to bed about 4:30. In fact, funny story. Steve Fritz back in 2011, 
Steve likes to sleep more than I do, and he, he gives me <laughs> grief about that. So back in 2011, we had dinner, and after beating uh, Middlebury in the semis, and he looked at the assistant coaches and said, well, I'm going to bed. You guys will do what you do, right? And, uh -huh. and that was our preparation. That was the way we... Well, he knew he was retiring after that game anyway. So last <laughs> night, he's at dinner with his wife and Don Johnson, who coached with us, and our president, President Sullivan, and they were in the restaurant at the hotel. And after I walked in to say hello, and I looked at him, he said, well, I'll tell you what, same thing as five years ago. I'm going to bed. You go do what you do. Uh, so, yeah, there's sleepless nights, but if you're passionate, I mean, I, I don't think I could do this another week right now. I, I came to the game tonight, yeah. and I had enough coffee and caffeine, and I thought, this is it. I'm absolutely fried, but um, this is as good as it gets. You know, Keith uh, Bunkenberg said the same thing in our pregame show ahead of the game on Saturday. He says, you know, I don't think crew, you know, our, our staffs can do this another week, and so I can, can appreciate that. You found guys in different places to step up. First off, Grant Schaefer had a wonderful weekend. He may not have put up a ton of points in the game, but, man, he found ways to get the ball to guys. Sorella did not have a good game on Friday night. Fouled out, really wasn't a factor. Obviously, Ogren stepped up in his place, but he had a pretty darn good game in the championship. And Montero certainly had a good weekend. And you had other guys who were stepping up. And, you know, we talked about the unselfishness of all the teams here in Salem this weekend. But you guys really kind of sh showcase that in some way. Yeah, I mean, we have, I mean, we've got four scorers who are incredible. And they could score 20 points a game if we needed them to, and they all have from time to time. And then you got guys like Jimmy Remke, who can score 20 mm -hmm. points, comes off the bench and embrace that role. Cullen Ogren last night is a Cinderella story that will <laughs> be told for years. Yes. And a guy like Ryan Bull, who's a sophomore, yeah. who's really a defensive stopper and is finding his way offensively. But, you know, you talk about a sophomore who has a bright future. He, he's certainly one of them. But to, you know, to go back to your question, how do we do that? I think more than anything, the guys are committed and trust that the byproduct of unselfish play and not caring who scores is, you know, not just victories because everybody can't win. One team wins, one team loses, and all the teams here are unselfish. But... It's a fun way to play basketball. It's a lot more fun. And I, you know, I thought there were a couple times tonight, not maliciously, but I thought our guys, and I think our backcourt is as good as anybody in the country, but I thought there were a couple times tonight where we played a little too much one-on-one, -on -one and mm -hmm. it was for a reason. There were absolutely strategic reasons why, but I thought it was a little early in the shot clock. We hadn't reversed yeah. the ball yet, and um, I think it was after the 12-minute timeout, we kind of recalibrated and, and got back to a little bit more patient basketball. What truly scared you about this Eagles squad? And obviously the easy answer is going to be Luke Johnson to some degree, but there's other factors in play. And, and did you see those moments in the game where you started to go, that's what I was worried about? Well, there's no question. I mean, he's as good a player as there is in the country. I'm sure he'll be a first-team All-American. You talk about He a, was a first-team All-American player who can of the year. A guy who score, who can rebound, who can pass. His passing, I think he has over 100 assists for yeah. the season. Third it's on the team. Unbelievable. Um, but more than anything, their rebounding stats. Their rebounding stats are downright frightening. They average 47 a game to 32 for the opponents. I've never in my life seen a 15 differential. We're thrilled if we have a 5 differential for a season. <laughs> 10 is leading the country, and they're 15. I mean, yeah. it's so many standard deviations above the mean for any, any year that I've seen. So we talked to our guys, about, and I told them before the game, I said, listen, I can't guarantee this, but I'm pretty darn certain if we out-rebound them, we'll win the game. And there are a lot of factors that go into that, shooting percentage, et cetera. But we out-rebounded them 36-32. And what they've done to teams, I mean, I've seen them out-rebound good teams by 25, 28 rebounds in a game. 
Um, Hammers 20 last night. Yeah, and there was a point tonight where I think we were up 14 to nine, and seven of their nine points were on second shots. I was about to lose my mind, <laughs> but I have to say, I don't think our guys weren't boxing out. I don't think they weren't trying. I mean, that's how yeah, that's diligent how Benedictine is on the glass. Yeah. I asked Keith before the game, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, there's no secrets. We know what they're really yeah. good at, and they're balanced and scoring and a lot of other good things, but I asked him before the game, how do you get all your guys to rebound like maniacs every single play? And he wasn't going to give me the special sauce, but I, Not yet. that is a credit to their coaching staff to get right. kids to play that hard on every single shot. Um, was there a moment late? I mean, they made about six and a half minutes left. I said on air, they've got to make this run now. They've got to do it now. They, you, know, you can't let the clock go any further. And they did. They came at you guys hard with a quick run, including a dunk in part of that run by Johnson that just brought their fans, may have blown the roof off the building with their fans. And you guys, though, immediately responded to that dunk with a score. You put the brakes on. But was there a point in there you were worried, this is about to get out of our control? Well, yeah, my assistants always make fun of me because I never use timeouts, and they're always <laughs> pulling on my shorts. You had a lot of timeouts left at yes, the end of the game. Yes, and they're like, you may want to use one here. And, and the lead, I think we were at the lineup 12, and we missed the two free throws. Yeah. And boom, they came down and cut it to 10, and then it went to 8, and then it gradually, all of a sudden, it's down to 2 after a turnover. I think what's characterized our team, and part of why I don't call a lot of timeouts, is you know, there's sort of an unequivocal trust that our guys know how to play, and they're going to get you know, kind of back to their center point and... Um, we did have some big baskets and made free throws, but was I concerned? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I also felt like it was a game of runs, and I, you know, you know it's not going to be a blowout in a game like that. You certainly don't expect it. Um, but I did think there were several stretches in the game where we had a chance to stretch it out to 15 points where maybe they have to play a little bit more recklessly on offense, and to their credit, they never did. They would get it right back down to six or eight and, and be able to play possession basketball. So, um you know, it was just a really good team, a slugfest between, I think, two teams who defend well, yet the score was 82-76. Yeah. I think there was an interesting moment late, too. 14 and a half seconds left. Schaefer missed a free throw, so you could only make it a two-possession ball game, make it six at the most. Yes. Dotson came down the court and went right for the layup. Eight and a half seconds left. I thought that was the key. They did not go for the three there to make that a one-possession ball game. Did you feel almost a sense of, this one's going to be ours because the math isn't going to work now? Well, yeah, certainly we were in a no-three mode, although we were in no-three modes and got a couple fouls where yeah. we gave them, up, gave them and ones. Um, I think we felt comfortable. However, you know, with eight and a half seconds left, you know if there's one turnover, True. all of a sudden now it gets cut to two, they foul, and we're at the line needing to make it or they're going to have a desperation shot. So we never quite, you know, we never quite got to that point where it was over with 30 seconds left, but I think we always did maintain uh, enough of a cushion that we could, you know, kind of play time and score and... and dictate what kind of shots that they were going to take. You got to the championship weekend as a player under Steve Fritz. You won a championship as an assistant. What's it like to, what's the difference in the, in the feeling of winning a championship as a coach? Well, I mean, I, it hasn't necessarily sunk in. I, exactly. I uh, you know, part of the reason you get into coaching, the real reason you get into coaching is to try and help young guys develop as, as people and as students and as athletes. And so um, every team's different. I mean, the the serendipitous part is five years ago, we were ranked number eight in the final D3 hoops poll. This year, we're ranked number eight. We were 24-3 and three going into the playoffs. This year, we're 24-3. and three. We had to go through Rock Island, Illinois, and an unbelievable Augustana team in the Elite Eight both years. So you, you start looking it gets at better it. better than that. And you say, okay, there are some similarities, yeah. right? You look at the senior class that year, 
how unbelievable they won 106 games. There it is. This year's team won 106 mm -hmm. games. Um, Pretty cool. With a 25-game regular season, that's unbelievable. Um, but at the end of the day, that's, I mean, all I kept telling the guys on the court, you know, as a coach, it's gratifying. It means a lot. But it's about these players and seeing the joy in their eyes. All week, we, all playoffs, we've talked about play with urgency, play with joy. And I just, you know, I just kept telling them, don't ever forget this moment because it goes so quickly. Yeah. Um, and to see their hard work pay off and, and culminate in a national championship as a coach, it just, you know, it, uh, I mean, it brings chills to you because it really is as good as it gets. You'll lose a little bit of this team. Obviously, you got a good core that's coming back. <laughs> you little. also seem to have a pretty good job of, of rebuilding the program. Um, obviously, expectations will be high next year just because you won a national title. How long do you get to enjoy this, though, before you get back to work and you start focusing on next season and the recruiting trail and all that? Well, we're on spring break, and uh, I'm going to go to Hawaii for a little bit, I think, and relax. Oh, it's a shame. But uh, <laughs> no, I, you want to take some time and let this sink yeah. in. Um, we're going to lose a lot. Those six seniors and really five of our seven guys in the rotation here at the end of the year, um, and people will be gunning for us. But that, you know, I mean, we'll worry about that. I thought the Mayak this year prepared us yeah. incredibly well. You look at how good St. Olaf was and beat an outstanding North Central team, and um, they beat us in the conference finals, and I don't know if we needed that or not, but it certainly turned out and it worked out well. But there were there were so many good teams in the MIAC this year, and um, yeah, we're going to have a lot of rebuilding to do. And our guys, you know, we five years ago it was it was very very similar where we lost five guys that played a tremendous amount of minutes, and then Tommy Hannon went out with a knee injury. Yeah. So really, the next year we were without you know six of our top probably seven guys from that team, six of eight I guess. Um, so, yeah, I'd, ra I'd probably rather enjoy this for a little while. And, I should. Um, but we've got a lot of young guys who are chomping at the bit for their chance, and I think we'll bring in good recruits. And, um, you know, I don't think this will hurt recruiting either. So hopefully hopefully we'll bring in more good guys to play for the Purple and, uh, and continue to have the same kind of philosophy on the court. If you don't mind me asking, what the moment at the end where you go shake Keith Bunkenberg's hand, and obviously giving them their first loss of the season, what, what, what's said in a moment like that? I mean, there's not much that can be said. You know, we talked in the, the CBS meeting today about do the teams shake hands or not. And I mean, there's the brotherhood of coaching and the bond you have, whether you know somebody or not. I mean, there's a there's a level of empathy that you know today. I mean, we're sitting in this meeting, and they've had as good a year as you can have. Mm -hmm. They're ranked number two in the country. We've had a really good year. Um, and they talked about do you guys want to shake hands at the end of the game because the team that wins – and. I think both, both of us are th like, boy, we never thought about it. And I think in unison, both Keith and I are like, of course we're going to shake hands. Yeah. They're going to celebrate whoever wins for 15 seconds. But then after that, I mean, honestly, my first thought was, you know, the confetti comes down. I'm like, guys, get in line. Let's shake hands. And I just, Keith, what he's done with their program, and it's his alma mater, like St. Thomas is mine. Yeah. Um, you know, you just, quite frankly, it. It takes a little luster off it for a few seconds because the empathy, you know, we've all been there in those painful yeah. losses, and um, they're an incredible team. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking about this. Congratulations on the second championship for St. Thomas and your first as head coach. Very impressive run to get, the, get it done, to say the least. Uh, as always, as you know, I give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Um, you know, you... First off, thanks to D3 Hoops. You guys are really, you've been a catalyst, I think, for what goes on nationally in so many ways. Good changes in how I think the tournament is run, not to mention the way that there's an interconnectedness across the nation. 
Um, so thank you. Thank you to all our St. Thomas fans. We had a tremendous turnout here this weekend, and um, our parents, family, friends, my sons, Jack and Adam, were here. <laughs> uh, my parents got a chance to be here. My sons weren't here in 2011, so right. I promised them, and we, they weren't here in 2013, so I promised them if we get back, um, they would be here. And, uh, you know, I think the other thing is our guys are just, you know, they epitomize student athletes that um, care about one another. You know, they flew a young kid out here who would never be able to come out here, and they said, Coach, we want to pay for him to come out here, their own money. I mean, it's just they do things like that. So they're really, when we talk about student athletes and uh, having big hearts, I, I couldn't be more blessed than to coach these guys. Well, congratulations again. I mean it. Thank, Thank you very you, much David. for joining me here. Coach John Tower of the champion St. Thomas Tommies. When we come back, Ryan Scott joins me to give his perspective on the weekend in Salem. More Hoopsville when we return. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville in Salem. We will be going back to the studio nonetheless. Don't forget you can follow us on Hoopsville at D3Hoopsville on Twitter. And at, I'm going to start that over because that was the most botched. You can follow us at Hoopsville. That make no sense. <laughs> Three, two, one. Welcome back to Hoopsville here in Salem. We will be going back to the WBCA and ABC studios soon enough, but we've got one more segment here. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, should you have any questions. I am now joined by Ryan Scott, who made his first trip to Salem. First and foremost, we'll get to the experience eventually, but first and foremost, what a championship game. That was more than we could have ever hoped for. Mm -hmm. um, two great teams. You didn't know what was going to happen. I think I told you beforehand. I said, it's either going to be a close one or St. Thomas is going to win by a lot. And it was a close one. And that's what we wanted. Yeah. came down to the end. Early on, though, I got a little worried. Benedictine, again, could not hit shots. They were shooting poorly. Beginning of the second half, that lead started expanding. It's the biggest deficit 
they've seen all season at 12. I'll admit, I was getting a little nervous right about then. Well, that's what we see from St. Thomas all the time, yeah. right? That they wear teams down because they don't make any mistakes. Yeah. And you get, you know, 10 minutes left in the game and they're up by 10 and, you know, teams lose by 20 because St. Thomas doesn't give those leads back. Yeah. And they gave the lead back. You know, they weren't, re I mean, they were making a few mistakes, but uh, Benedictine played so well yeah. and they stayed in it. And I've never seen a team do that against well, St. Thomas. And almost like St. Thomas didn't give the lead back as much as Benedictine just took the deficit away. They made a nice little run about starting at about 6.30 left in the game. Uh, climaxed with one heck of a dunk from Johnson. I'm convinced Sorella was going up thinking that was a layup. I don't, th I don't know if he didn't think Johnson could dunk left-handed. I don't know what, but he looked like he was going for a layup, and Johnson just slammed it home, and this place practically came unglued. Yeah, I mean, that was the th what we wanted to see from Benedictine the whole game, right? Because yeah. it was a steal from Blazik, who just had a great weekend. Yeah. Um, but it came in spurts, you know? He yeah. had 10 minutes here and 10 minutes yep. there. And if they had put together, you know, one whole game like wow. that, I think they could have just been the dominant team that, you know, certainly their fans thought they were. Yeah, great. Uh, and then it came down. The other, the other big moment, I thought, was with uh, 14 and a half seconds left, only up six. Uh, I think it was off a missed free throw, but I can't remember. It may have been off a made, made free throw. It doesn't matter. The point that Dodson came down the floor. That's not necessarily the guy who wants the ball, but the guy you want having the ball is parked on the bench for the, out of the game to foul trouble. And Dodson drives the lane to get two, eight and a half seconds left. I felt you needed a three-point effort at least there because you're not changing the two-possession ball game with a layup. Well, I mean, that's the typical thought, right? But they continued to prove that they were getting their chances. You true. know, he came back down, and they missed two or three in that last, you know, 30 seconds that would have had them right back in the game. Um, you know, they weren't taking those shots. And I want to say for Dotson, one of the seniors on this team who hasn't had a lot of run, he played great in that second half, part of that run back. Harvey was out, and Dotson stepped right up, scored the points. I thought it was interesting. There's only three seniors on that Benedictine team. It's the only yeah. three guys in double figures in this game. <laughs> Interestingly enough, yeah, Dotson had some interesting decisions, but you're right. He got a couple to fall late that really started to change things. Johnson uh, certainly stepped up. I mean, 21 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, he just wouldn't quit, and he had a heck of a battle was Sorella. I was, I was enjoying that. At one point, they gave him a break defensively and put Reynolds on him, and I thought that was a nice switch, but when that wore out, they put Johnson back there, and it just ratcheted it up another level. That was a fun game to watch, the inside games, both sides of the court. And that's, I think, the difference between sort of experience and experience. You know, Benedictine came in, and they gave us that game for 30 minutes, but yeah. the first 10 minutes, they looked pretty lost. Yeah. You know, they weren't getting the ball down low. Um, it, it, not jitters, necessarily, but the the... They don't have the same experience that the St. Thomas team does. They don't play the same level of competition night in and night out. And I think that showed a little bit at the beginning. Um, what we saw at the end, you know, were two fantastic teams going back and forth at each other. And if, you know, St. Thomas hadn't had that lead already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely you know? right. If that was a tighter lead, that's a different outcome or at least makes it interesting down yeah. to the end. Interesting weekend altogether. You know, Pat mentioned it uh, on the, on the, the post-game show. 13 total points were the difference in the three games. I mean, we had a, a near buzzer beater from Amherst. Uh, it was a tight game, obviously, in the championship. Um, it, it, it was good, three well-fought games. Yeah, and, and I think that's the sort of parity we saw throughout yeah. the whole season, the whole tournament. You know, we, we had a team, you know, like uh, Worcester that nobody thought much of that made it all the way to the Elite Eight, and they won those games, and they earned those wins. Yeah. Uh, and you saw that across. You know, Marietta lost early, and that was a dominant team. And, and it's what you're seeing now is you don't just have three or four teams that are better than everybody else. You know, you have probably 
eight or ten teams that could have performed just as well in Salem had they gotten here. Uh, and it's nothing but good for D3. Christopher Newport could make another run. Yeah. Let's be honest. You can't count out St. Thomas. Amherst is going to reload. And they lose Connor Green, certainly. But they've got everybody else pretty much back. Um, and even Benedictine loses a few key players, but it's not like they're out of the mix now. Uh, this is I'm not saying all four of them are making a run to Salem next year necessarily. I just mean I, none of them are going away. No, you can't count them out. Obviously, I, I mean, Luke Johnson is a huge player, yeah. and he really uh, took this game on, you know, down the stretch. You know, it was a little too much for him to do by himself. Yeah. But, um, the experience here, uh, I think, will really serve them well. They've got good bigs coming back, guys yeah. who can pick up that scoring slack. Um, you know, Johnson is a great player, but he didn't score a ton of points for this team. And, and mm. I think, yeah, they'll be able to get back. Christopher Newport is bringing back at least their top five guys. Yeah. Um, and the experience for both of those teams, uh, I think, will really propel them next season. So uh, your first trip to Salem, what would you think of the experience, sir? Uh, it was awesome. I, you couldn't have gotten a better championship game. That's and, true. You know, whatever else happened is going to pale in comparison to being <laughs> able to sit there for that. But, uh, yeah, getting to talk to some of the guys for the All-Star game, um, just the experience that Salem rolls out. I mean, this feels like a tournament atmosphere. Yeah. Um, the the arena's the perfect size. Tonight, you mm -hmm. know, we had people sitting all the way to the, the top row of seats. It was full. We didn't know if that would happen, um, mm -hmm. you know, after Christopher Newport brought yeah. a big crowd and we, we didn't did. know if they would all go home. But those seats were filled up again. And, um, you know, the town's great. The hotel's great. The yeah. people take care of us really well. And, and it's it's an experience like you wouldn't necessarily expect at D3, and that's a really cool thing. I know you've been around Division Three a long time, former player, and, and now kind of transitioned from being on the boards to writing stuff for our website. Now you're getting more and more in, into this as we drag you more and more into this. Your thoughts on the season? I do have to say I was not a player. Well, I, not, I, I'm a terrible basketball well, player, I but I did mean, follow the team around yeah. probably obsessively when I was in school. <laughs> I meant um, to say near player. Near player? Because That's you were near players. Anyone? Yeah, I was near the players. <laughs> That's probably the best way to put it. Um, yeah, just being a part of D3, it's, it's the atmosphere and experience. You know, the fact that these kids are paying to go to school, you know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they chose the school because it, it's the atmosphere and the place they want to have to form themselves as people later on. Um, you know, you'll see the story that went up on the website uh, about St. Thomas, and that was all about the character of these guys. Um, I was, uh, don't think any of them were on the uh, All-American teams. Nope. Um, but they still won this title, yep. and probably three or four of those guys could have been, uh, but they sacrifice yes. uh, to be on this team. You know, Tower says he was bragging that they've never had a player score 15 points per game in the last eight years yeah. uh, because that's not the style they play, but right. they play together. And that's what you see across D3, guys playing for each other and girls playing for each other, and um, that's why I love it. Um, I've been resisting the urge, but it was kind of cool to know that St. Thomas started their season basically at the Hoopsville Classic where you got a chance to see him and I got a chance to see him. I'm amazed. I'm not, I guess I'm not amazed. But I'm impressed with how much they grew. They were good there. And they grew into an even better team as the season progressed. Well, and that's what you hope for, right? Yeah, you see absolutely. all these teams at the beginning of the year that yep. you say, oh, this team, you know, if they put this together, they put that together, could be really good. And that's what we saw about St. Thomas. Mm -hmm. But you don't put too much stock in it because, you know, it's, it doesn't happen that often. Right. It's hard to win all these games. It's hard to get the chemistry right. Uh, but they did it. And, yeah. and it was exciting to see the growth from the beginning of the year. You know, what would we say? Maybe a top five team at the beginning Absolutely. of the year. And clearly the best team in the country in March. Yeah, I mean, slid a little bit with that loss in the conference tournament game. And that's basically because everybody else was winning. It's hard to really keep them uh, where they were. But yeah, they certainly lived up to the uh, up to the billing, as it were. Um, 
your thoughts as we head into the offseason? I know it's hard to put a pulse on what next season will bring, but I don't want to ask you that. But your thoughts on where Division Three basketball sits as we head into the offseason? I think it's going to be exciting. You know, we had a few teams this year, St. Thomas, obviously, Augustana, Elmhurst that had a lot of seniors, but I was surprised by how many teams were playing a lot of underclassmen. Yeah. And I am just super excited, both for our region, the Mid-Atlantic that I cover. Um, you know, there's Susquehanna and some of the landmark teams were the only ones that had seniors. Everybody else was playing yeah. underclassmen. Um, and I think that's true across the country. It's, it's, I'm just looking forward to, to how great it's going to be again next year. Yeah, I can't imagine it's not going to be fun again next year as we march our way to Salem yet again. As always, I give my guests the final words, sir. Any final thoughts? Well, I just want to thank uh, Salem, first of all, but yeah. you and Pat for having me down here and, and making me a part of this. And uh, I was sort of planning to, to try and make it next year, but uh, thanks to my wife for taking a day off of work on Friday yeah. so I could get down here and, and experience you that this You might want to pencil that in next year, my dear. Yeah, well, I, we were already planning for next year, so this will be <laughs> this, this awesome. will be good. And uh, uh, yeah, it couldn't have been a better experience from D three basketball. I mean, this is why we follow it, why we watch yeah. it, um, and even the Benedictine fans that oh. we sat in front of that were yelling and screaming and complaining the whole night had really great response at the end of the game, yeah. and were clapping and cheering and, and respectful. You even and took and the time to, great. to try and explain to them why some of the calls were okay. That was you. You took that's well. That guts. was me. That was the guy I was in yeah, college. No. I was oh, near I was the players. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, I understand that, and and it's always fun. It makes me feel a little younger. I forget <laughs> that. I'm getting old when yeah. I can talk to these, these fans. And, and that experience is what everyone's looking for, yeah. and that's what I love about it. Well, I know that feeling, too. Well, I appreciate you coming here. Thanks for joining us on the air. Really appreciate you taking the time as well. Uh, as well. When we come back, we'll switch our focus to the women, find out who's marching on to play 16 days later in Indianapolis. We'll get a recap of that. We'll also wrap up the show. You're watching Hoopsville. We're done in Salem, but we head back to the NABC WBCA studios after this. You're watching Hoopsville. Presented by D3Hoops.com. Done from Salem. Back with more after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. Our obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. 
and now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville. This is Danielle Donahue, Executive Director of the WBCA. And we are a proud, proud partner and very excited about all the future broadcasts. Here's Dave. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Again, apologize we weren't able to air live on Sunday or Monday evening as our backup plan was. Hope you're enjoying it nonetheless on this pre-recorded show. Appreciate you uh, be being patient with us. The voice, as you can tell, still. Not, or at least maybe you can't tell. Not fully back, though. Uh, okay, switching gears now. Talked a lot about Salem. Talked about the championship for St. Thomas and the near miss by Benedictine. Congratulations to those two teams, obviously. We will wrap up, maybe bringing them back up at the end of the show. But now we're transitioning into women. They've still got a game to play. We've got to play it in Indianapolis. And by the time you're listening to this, less than two weeks, 16 days between games for both teams. And congratulations to Thomas Moore and to Tufts. I think we would have been a little surprised had neither of these two teams been making it onto Indianapolis once we saw who had made it to Capitol. Uh, it would have taken an upset for Amherst to beat Thomas Moore, and that's just being blunt. Uh, and it would have taken an upset for Wartburg to beat Tufts. That's being blunt. Granted, both games were pretty darn good. Tufts defense, phenomenal to hold Wartburg um, to no points for the first 12 minutes of the game. But let's start with the Thomas Moore Amherst game. Thomas Moore moving on uh, due to their closest game of the season in Division Three. Uh, not a surprise. You knew GP Gromacki and the Amherst women's team would be ready for Thomas Moore. You knew that GP was going to put some good game plan together. Interestingly enough, it was uh, Sydney Moss basically putting the team basically on her shoulders in the second half of that game. Something she hasn't had to do a lot of, not that she's necessarily decreed to do it, but did it nonetheless. But I didn't have as good a vantage point as Gordon Mann and Adam Turr did for this game. So we toss it to them. They filed this report after the conclusion of the games on Saturday evening at Capital University in Columbus. Gentlemen. Second semifinal tonight, Sidney Moss, 39 points, 29 in the second half. And Adam, Amherst played him as close as anybody has in three years. They're the first team since Wittenberg, back when Sidney Moss played her first game at Thomas Moore, the first Division Three team to lose to Thomas Moore by less than double digits, if you can imagine that. There's an NAIA program in Kentucky that played them within five. Uh, but tonight, when the Saints needed Sydney Moss to take over, she did. Absolutely, especially in the second half. Uh, they figured Amherst did everything they could do to keep up with them. They slowed the transition game down. Thomas Moore has zero fast break points, which I don't know has happened in the Moss era. <laughs> I'm guessing it hasn't, the way they love to get out and run in transition. Uh, but in the second half, when they needed points, you know, Moss was feeling it tonight. And uh, Coach Hans told us in the postgame that you know he told his players after she made her first shot from the elbow uh, early in the game, you could tell that she was feeling it. And he told his team to feed her. And Peter, and they did. And in the second half, you know, she scored from inside. And then finally in the fourth quarter, hit one from outside. The first three of the game uh, didn't come until there was eight and a half minutes to play in the game. Yeah. But that kind of lifted the lid on the basket, and they were able to knock down a couple more threes late to pull away. Yeah, there was the way she opened the fourth quarter 
just kind of indicative of her all-around game. She gets a jumper for mid, uh, you know, a mid-range jumper. Next basket, three. Next basket, even deeper three. Next basket, she doesn't hit the three, but she gets fouled, and she hits free th- three free throws. And then at the end of the game, Amherst still hanging around. It's 66-60. There's two minutes to play, and Abby Owings, who's a great player, tonight had an off night, and that will happen. She drops back to shoot a three. It's blocked. It lands about four feet short of the rim, and who's there to catch it and lay it up for two and put the game away with City Moss? And it seems like that was, you know, Thomas Moore's in the right place in the right time in the offensive end all night. The shots weren't falling for everyone. Uh, Owings was three for 15. Moss was 14 for 24. Um, but, you know, they had 25 points, second chance points, 19 offensive rebounds, and that's really where they did most of their damage was being around the offensive glass. You know, Nikki Kiernan had 13 and seven. Uh, Sam Cady had some big offensive rebounds, and that's how they were able to make up for the lack of fast break points in transition. Yeah, for Amherst, uh, you know, the thing that jumps out at you, well, one, if you don't follow Amherst closely, and one, if you do, the one, if you don't, really scoring from four flares. They, they got two points from Cheyenne Pritchard and five from Haley Zwecker, but everything else, the other 58 were from four players, and they had a, you know, they had a, a nice array of moves. They got that up and under thing down. We saw it would seem like 20 times from the Doswell twins uh, and, and uh, Hannah Hackley. But the game element of their game that wasn't there tonight was threes. Five of 22, and that's a team. I, I had a chance to you know talk with GP Gramacki after the post game in the hallway, and here he said, you, we said, you know, we had we had so many open threes in that first half and just couldn't get them to fall. Yeah, and they really did, and they weren't getting a lot of second chance points either. So yeah. when you're shooting threes and they're not going in, which we saw Thomas Moore do too. The the difference was Thomas Moore was getting offensive rebounds, uh, whereas uh, Amherst only had nine offensive rebounds. So if you're not making threes and you're going one and done on each possession, it's going to be hard to come back from any deficit. But they did come back. You know, they came back. Usually Thomas Moore makes a run at the end of a half like they did in the first half, going to the locker room up seven. Usually that's enough, but Amherst was not phased. They came out and seized all the momentum in the third quarter, actually took the lead in the third quarter, uh, and then in the fourth quarter just ran out of gas at the end, I think. Yeah. So Sydney Moss since Thomas Moore move on. They will play Tufts. It's a rematch of the 2015 National Semifinals, uh, which Thomas Moore won 62 uh, to 52. And, you know, we've got 16 days to think about the next game. Both of the teams, when asked in the postgame, said, well, the first thing we're going to do is enjoy this, and the second thing we're going to do is we're going to rest. You know, it's not quite the college football layoff, but it's a long layoff. But, you know, as we look ahead, Adam, thoughts on the matchup? I thought Amherst matched up a little better with, with Thomas Moore, and Amherst and Tufts played each other basically to a draw. One won one, 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 one game by one, and one won the other game by one. Uh, I, I thought the Amherst guards a little longer, a little taller. You could see Owings had trouble getting her shot, shot off tonight. Tufts guards maybe a little quicker, but a little shorter. Um, I guess if there's an advantage for Tufts over Amherst, it's that they have Michaela North and Melissa Baptista in the middle, and they're definitely from a defensive presence, different from anything Amherst has. Yeah, and they're going to slow it down. You know, They're very similar to the team they were last year. Thomas Moore is very similar to the team it was last year. That was a grinded out 62-52 to 52 win in the Final Four last year. Uh, I think the difference with Amherst maybe is across the board, more quickness, more interchangeable parts. There really aren't any mismatches because the five players have played almost every single minute tonight are so equally quick and athletic, uh, whereas Tufts has, you know, their big post players and they want to slow the game down and grind it out. Uh, 
and you know as Jeff Han said in the post game today they Thomas Moore proved tonight they can grind it out something they haven't had to do very often really the last time they had to do it was against Tufts last year in the semifinal um, so I think both teams are going to enjoy having this two week break just because they saw some things tonight that kind of exposed some weaknesses whereas you know they were used to you know at least from Thomas Moore they're used to blowing an op- opponents out every round you know both teams tonight had a battle in the fourth quarter single digit game in the fourth quarter so I think they are welcoming this opportunity to take some time and correct some things that they learned about themselves tonight a great uh, weekend abbreviated one uh, just two uh, just one day of action here uh, but uh, a great job by I know Dixie Jeffers from Capital University was intimately involved in pulling this together Ryan Gassaway uh, and the rest of the folks here at Columbus the bracket is nearly complete just one uh, more final line to fill in. We'll have to wait 16 days to do it. But on April 4th from Bankers Life Arena, it will be the Tufts Jumbos and the Thomas More Saints. Thanks, Adam and uh, Gordon. Appreciate that. Uh, I d- give us a breakdown of kind of what happened in the game. Obviously, Thomas More still undefeated, moving on to play in the national championship game. They'll take on Tufts. So we go to the Hoopsville Hotline and joining us there is head coach Jeff Hans from the number one Thomas More Saints. Coach, welcome back to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. Great to be back on with you. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, obviously, we talked to you just a little over a week ago, so not much we could talk about in the sense of anything new. Obviously, besides moving on in this championship, uh, hard-fought game there um, with Amherst. Uh, it certainly was tight for most of the game. I would say the fourth quarter kind of opened things up just a little bit. But from your point of view, how did this game kind of evolve? Uh, it went pretty much how I thought it would. I mean, two good teams playing and, and fighting for 40 minutes uh you know and that's that that's what we expected um i mean you know I, like i said in the post game press conference i think that might have been the first time we've ever played amherst as a program um you know and then we have a lot of respect for them watching them over the years and, and what uh gp does up there but um you know it it was two good teams just playing and and fighting and you know it, it could have went either way i think um you know, we were able to make a, a few more plays and, and maybe got a few lucky bounces after we're going back and watching the film um, than, they, than, than they did, and, and we were able to come out on top. It's interesting, you know, one of the uh, evolutions of this team is that Sydney Moss doesn't necessarily have to put her put it on uh, her back. Uh, the team is quite capable of winning even without her on the floor. Granted, against tougher competition, that's always up for debate. Interestingly enough, she scored 29 of her 39 in the second half. It almost seemed like she did turn that switch on, that she did take a little bit more onus this time around. Is that a fair, fair assessment of what happened? No, that's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, and that's that's Sydney, uh, and that's our team. They're competitors, just like just like Amherst, just like everybody else playing. But you know, they they hate to lose. I mean, you know, we're some shooting yesterday and competitions and, and they hated losing in, in some shooting competitions yesterday in practice. But, uh, um, you know, she does not want to lose this season. And so she did what she needed to do. And, and I thought our, our, our players did a good job of finding her in the right situations. And then she was able to make a couple passes to, to Nikki or to Madison when the double team came and, and they finished plays and knocked down shots um, like they needed to. Interesting enough, a single-digit victory, the closest you've had uh, in Division Three this year. NAIA um, team that you beat earlier this season was obviously close, and you got Cabrini, I think it was last year, was tight. Um, otherwise, you guys have had it not easy. I certainly don't want to say it that way, but certainly bigger uh, win uh, spreads 
over the past. How much does that affect the team when the game is tighter? You guys haven't just been in that many a tight game. Does that affect you guys down the end? Do you have to kind of remind the team of some of the things you maybe don't have to necessarily worry about? Yeah, yeah sometimes. And, and sometimes it's just letting them know, hey, this is, this is what it's about, you know, and this is why you're here. Um, accept the challenge and, uh, you know, let's see what we can do and and just just play, um, you know, and let them know that you have to execute all the time on both ends of the floor. And, you know, I think that's – we got up double digits there early in the fourth quarter um, to, to spread it out a little bit after I, I think it hit the three from the top and transition to get us to 10. And, you know, Amherst wasn't going to quit. We knew yeah. that. Um, they, they came down and made a basket and – and got it right back down to almost six, I think, or something like that. And, uh, you know, just kept playing. And, and But I thought our guys did a good job of answering every challenge that, that Amherst put out there and responding to everything and, and making a stop when we needed to or getting a basket when we needed to. Tell us what the timeouts are like. You've got Sydney Moss putting a little bit more of the onus on herself. You've got a tighter game than you guys have been used to necessarily. Timeouts later in the game, obviously we have media breaks, et cetera. Does it, does it turn into a, a little bit more tension in there? Are you guys able to keep your uh, your normal protocol, as it were, the same? Well, first of all, the media timeouts are two minutes long, so I don't have a whole lot to say to them. You know, <laughs> they, they, they don't want to hear me for two minutes. So right. I stand out there and look at them and, you know, while they're <laughs> getting some water and stuff for a while. But uh, they never lost composure. Um, you know, they they were positive in the huddle. They knew what was going on. They knew um, that they what they needed to get done. And, uh, you know, we were able to come out and execute a few sets here or there out of a timeout and, and um, you know, get a basket or get a good look at least and, and make um, make them defend us for a little bit longer than what we may normally do. When it, obviously, you don't want to give too much away to Tufts. I can appreciate that. But what was Amherst able to take advantage on you guys or, or expose or whatever that you had to make adjustments to that either, A, you weren't expecting or, or B, just kind of played itself out? Well, I thought going into it, the two biggest things were were offensive rebounding and, and transition um, because they they can get out and run too. I mean, I know they're known for a defensive their defensive efforts, um, but I thought they watching them on film. I thought they did a really good job of getting stops and getting out in transition and scoring, you know, just like we want to. But uh, they did a, a very good job of getting back and, and eliminating um, fast breaks, transition baskets, easy looks at the rim for us. So we had to adapt to that a little bit more and, and get into a more half-court game than what we would like to or, or used to. And uh, But I thought we handled that part of it very well. And then on the flip side, we were able to c- control the offensive glass. I, I think we ended up with 19 offensive re- rebounds for the, for the night to where we were able to maybe overcome some turnovers that we usually don't have, um, that we, we were able to get second-chance points that, that really kept them from going out in transition like they wanted to, and, uh, you know, so I thought those two things were big factors. Yeah, 19 uh, offensive rebounds is nothing to shake a stick at, that's for sure. Um, Obviously, one of them was key, too, Moss catching their ball three and laying it in uh, to get the the lead back up to eight. Um, Obviously, this was semi-close to your place. How was was fan turnout from your point of view? I thought it was a – I mean, of course, I'm biased because it was a lot of our (laughs) fans. But, I mean, overall, the whole atmosphere – at Capital University for both games, um, watching the Wartburg Tufts game before ours, um, you know I thought the atmosphere was very good, you know, and then our fans get there for our game and and it was just uh, that carried us a lot of times to you know 
Sydney was able to get a couple of and ones and, and make some nice plays and um, you know get a stop and the, and the crowd goes gets a little bit louder each time as the game goes on and and um, you know that that was big for our momentum to keep it going. Uh, obviously, a little strange only to play one game. Uh, was it a little surreal to walk off the court and know you had 16 days until you were going to have to get back on the court again? Yeah, trying to. Yeah, at that point, in time, I was trying to figure out what we, what we we're going to do for two weeks. You know, and I, and I mean, it's Tuesday, and I think I'm still trying to figure it out. To be honest with you, but uh, you know, it, it was. You know, knowing that you didn't have to prepare for another one um, that that night, or and actually that. You know, in the past years, that's the national championship because it's Saturday night. Um, you know, so it's a little bit, it's different, but I think the combined championship over at Indianapolis is going to be a great experience for for our players and and, and the fans um, that may never get an opportunity to experience a Division One Final Four. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Looking forward to the the uh, atmosphere at Bankers Life Fieldhouse coming up uh, in a little under two weeks. Now that we're talking. Uh, before we get to what will come in the next two weeks, uh, let's back up to Tufts. Obviously, you got a chance to see them on Saturday. They had a hard-fought defensive battle to get past Wartburg. What were you thinking while you're watching the Jumbos hold Wartburg to no points for the first uh, 12 minutes of that game? Well, knowing that both of them are them and Amherst are in the same conference, yeah. you know, and played two two battles, uh, regular season conference championship. Uh, just hoping that we weren't going to be in the same situation yeah. um, against Amherst because both of them being very good, probably one and two in the country in defense. Um, you know, so just just watching watching that and and Amherst and watching Tufts um, play well early on, and then uh, you know they they were getting a little bit of foul trouble, but able to hold on in the second half and and come come out with the victory to to move on. Uh, anything about Tufts that you've seen? Obviously, this is early. You've seen them in in, in real life on on mm-hmm. Saturday, certainly, and you'll be breaking down tape in nauseum, I'm sure, between now and and the game. But what is it about them that that concerns you? Uh, they're they're inside play, and then um, with Michaela North and uh, Baptista, you know how good those guys are, and and they were good last year when we played them in the semifinals. Right, and I and I think they're. I mean, Baptista's a year older, and she's much better. Now her game has really improved. Yeah. Um, you know, so you know, guarding those guys, defending those guys, and trying to score on them uh, inside the way they play defensively, but then also knowing that they have uh, perimeter players that can can make plays. And I mean, Dylan had uh, I think 19 Saturday uh, Saturday night, mm-hmm. something like that, and and hit big shot after big shot, especially in the fourth quarter when uh, Wartburg was making a run at him. What is it you think you can take advantage of? Uh, well, again, I think we're going to try to take advantage of, of some transition, you know, okay. get some stops, get some uh, deflection steals, and, and get out and run a little bit like we did last year on them, and then, um, you know, see see what we can do. But we're going to have to execute. I mean, we're going to score in the half court because uh, they're not going to make it easy, and we know that. And, and uh, you know, I think after a few days of practice here, just a few, uh, our guys will be ready to go. Uh, let's transition into the two-week wait here. What has the message been to the team? Um study <laughs> yeah they are student athletes after all yeah um get, get in the classroom you know do what you need to do academically because of you know what's going to happen um being gone for a whole weekend and uh and then a few extra days of not playing till monday night um so make sure you're taking care of the academics um staying healthy you know that's the biggest thing with two weeks you and you're such in such a rhythm of playing two games a week and now now you've mm-hmm. got that 
that whole rhythm is just broken. But, um, you know, we're just working on little things again, trying to do some individual stuff, some shooting stuff, you know, and, and sit, keeping them in good enough shape but not wearing them out because it is two weeks longer. Yeah, I was going to say, how much do you practice? How much do you have them sit? How much do you walk through things? I mean, obviously it's not something that everybody goes through, so there is no answer necessarily out there. Um, but have you figured out what you want to do? Um, yeah. I mean, we're going to go a couple of days here and then take a day off in the middle of the week so they can really concentrate on, on their academics. And then, you know, I think the good thing for probably us and Tufts, especially, I mean, it's Easter weekend. Yeah. So it's an easy to give them, yep. to let them go home, be with their families for, for the weekend. Um, you know, I think that's, that's a good break. And then, and then come back Monday and, and get focused and, and get ready to start really preparing for Tufts. I know the uh, conference calls have already started. I know the planning is already in place. When do you guys head out to Indianapolis? Um, we got stuff, uh, some of the information yesterday. We got a conference call here in a little bit, um, but we um, we go Friday. Okay. Friday, and then uh, we'll get some time in in Banker's Life uh, Fieldhouse Saturday, Sunday, and then of course Monday, a little yeah. bit of time. And obviously, most likely, I would assume, I, I you don't have the answer necessarily, but I would assume probably sticking around should you win uh, on Tuesday. At least they did that with the men. Obviously, it's a little different. It's midweek, so who knows how some of that plays out. Um, when you guys, obviously, the, the buzz now is is probably even higher than ever. I mean, you've gone to almost two full, complete seasons undefeated. You've had one loss in the last three uh, what's the uh, texting like? What's the email box look like? How's the uh, communication from uh, those who maybe all of a sudden found the Saints? <laughs> uh, it's been kind of quiet, which is good. You know, there there is. I mean, the buzz around campus to to get back to the championship game. It's just it's a special moment for for our players and in our community here. Um, you know, and and just trying to keep our guys a little level headed with it, with it um, because of, of the long layoff. But, uh, you know, it, it's been good. Um, all the congratulatories for, for getting back to this point and, you know, coming in. And so you just respond and thank everybody. And, you know, hope, to be honest with you, just being two hours from Indy, we hope that they show up on uh, on Monday night uh, to, to cheer us on against Tufts. I was going to say, it's nice and close. You guys, we talked about that way back at the beginning of the season, how this could really play out nicely. Columbus and Indianapolis being so close to your place and the fans' support. Obviously, it, it worked out nicely on Saturday, and it would be great to see if they show up on Monday as well. Uh, Jeff, I don't, I can't think of anything else to ask you that we haven't talked about <laughs> in the last week-plus anyway on this show. But obviously, congratulations on making the championship uh, and uh, certainly looking forward to seeing your team in action on the floor in Indianapolis. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, just th thanks again um, for everything you guys do, and you know I look forward to seeing you guys out there in uh, in Indianapolis and, and talking a little bit of, of D3 hoops. Um, you know, hopefully we can get together sometime and, and, and talk. But uh, you know, it, it's going to be a good experience. You know, and if Anybody local that wants to come out and, and watch um, a lot of good basketball over the weekend between the Division One's Division Two championship before ours at three and and then our game at six, you know it, it, it it's well worth the ticket price. Absolutely agree with you. Looking forward to seeing you as well. Take care, safe travels, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. 
He is Jeff Hans, head coach of the number one Thomas More Saints. They are off to play number seven Tufts in the championship in Indianapolis, not until April 4th. We all have to pace ourselves to some degree, but looking forward to that game. It's a 6 p.m. Eastern tip-off time. I believe you're going to be able to see that on NCAA.com, which means we'll have links to it at D3Hoops.com unless something drastic has changed. I believe that's how it's going to play out. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk to Tufts head coach Carla Berube about her squad and the trip to Indianapolis as well. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC studios, back with more after this. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, the season ender for the men's basketball in the championship preview for the women's side of basketball. Hope you're enjoying this show. Obviously not live on Sunday or even our backup plan on Monday. Hope you're enjoying watching it or listening to it on the podcast. Uh, despite the delay, we appreciate your understanding. If you have any questions for us, obviously you can always follow us or ask them on tw on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And of course, you can always join, e email us, you should say, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, though. We don't answer questions there, <laughs> so that's not probably worth uh, the hassle. Uh, so we just got done talking to Thomas Moore as they get ready for the championship. They will face off against Tufts who did an amazing job against Wartburg in the semifinals, holding them for about 12 minutes before they were able to score. Wartburg got back in it and then had some very big defensive stops in the end to walk away with a 13-point victory over Wartburg. Of course, they had beaten uh, Regis and Moravian in the opening weekend, Albright and Scranton on the road at Scranton in the second weekend uh, before taking out Wartburg, who was the uh, giant killers, and of course, 
uh, will now face Thomas Moore. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the women's head coach for Tufts, Carla Berube. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, happy to be here. I appreciate you taking the time. Should point out, kind of interesting, our, our, our last kind of studio show, I think, for the season, and we haven't talked to you all season. This is a little bit different for us. Uh, not that you've been flying under the radar, but there's so much to talk about in women's basketball. Uh, but you ended up marching off to a 28 and three mark at this point, 10 and 0 in the NESCAC. You got to be thrilled outside of the fact you're playing in the championship game about how well this season was. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an incredible ride to to say the least. Um, you know, we started off the season um, a little shaky with a couple losses against um, against strong NESCAC teams. Um, we were, you know, trying to figure out roles and trying to figure out um, just just who we who we are. Um, and then, you know, come the beginning of the second semester, just got rolling and um, been playing some some really great great basketball ever since. And um, we couldn't be more thrilled and and excited um, to be heading to to Indianapolis um, in a few days, uh, a few weeks. Um, <laughs> Depending on how you always look away. At it. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on how you look at it, you've had an eerie similar uh, few years here. You've had three losses in 13, 14, 15, and now 16. Uh, you were 30 and 3 the last two years and 10 and 0 in the NESCAC. You're 28 and 3 now. Obviously, you can't get to 30 wins, just due to quirks in the schedule, uh, but 10 and 0 in the conference. Um, I would argue that you're probably one of the more consistent teams in the last few years in women's basketball. Yeah, we've had some some great years lately, and um, credit to to my student athletes. Um, they've just been them been awesome. Um, you know, we've had some some strong teams, and and um, yeah, like I said, I wasn't quite sure about this year, having lost um, almost three thousand points to graduation last year, and and you know, just uh, these kids have really stepped up into into much larger roles, and have um, you know just been been awesome. Um, when we look back at the season, you talk about that tough start. Uh, lost to Bowdoin in Game 3 uh, by 18, and then you lost to Connecticut College midway through December uh, by 6. The Bowdoin one's the one that kind of jumped out at me the most. You talked about new roles, but what did you guys learn from, the, uh, from those games specifically that helped evolve with this program? Was it actual players in different positions, or was it learning to play as a team? Yeah, a, a little bit of both. Um... I think in the past couple of years, we had so many weapons mm -hmm. um, offensively that a lot of times we could just kind of come into to games and gyms and, and knowing we were going to get that where we we're going to get that scoring punch from. Um, and so, yeah, to establish those roles, um, I think that was a good kick in the butt up at um, <laughs> you know up in Brunswick and um, and then a hard 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 fought win for for. Connecticut College down at their um, gym as well. But um, we figured out that you know Michaela North needed to start playing like an, an All-American that she is, mm -hmm. and and that uh, Melissa Baptista needs to step up into a, a new role. And um, yeah, just some some bench players that hadn't gotten a lot of minutes in in their previous years needed to to give more. And um, and they were all willing, and they were willing by getting into the gym on their on their own time, getting shots up um, every practice. Um, felt like um, it was competitive and they were battling and um, and we were getting better um, and every day and um, they came back from 
from winter break, from um, you know holiday break, um, just raring to go. Um, and uh, yeah, couldn't be prouder of them. And 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 um, you know coming back from those those two losses and and ready to just do some damage in the in the NESCAC, which we all know is you know one of the toughest leagues mm-hmm. in the country. And um, you know I think when when we were able to to beat Bowden up. Uh, at their place, uh, we had to play them twice this year at their place, um, just from scheduling things um, to beat them up there, and then, and then also being able to to beat Amherst in their gym, which is the most difficult place to, <laughs> to play. Um, we're just two really great victories, and I think gave us the the confidence that that these younger players and these these new roles needed. Yes, thanks for the segue on the Amherst. That was a huge win. Mm-hmm. You ended a a hundred plus win uh, home winning r- uh, run there for Amherst at Lafrac, uh, beating them by one. Of course, interesting enough, a couple weeks later they returned the favor at your place, beating you guys by one. What you guys seeing? Both teams seem to be very evenly matched. Even if you look at the point totals, what was it about Amherst um, that that seemed to be so closely in line with you guys? Well, I think both teams play defense um, and play defense for 40 minutes mm-hmm. and play hard and and really both those games it came down to just just student athletes making plays down the stretch our players and um, and at Lafrac we made the the plays and then you know here at Cousins they made the the plays down the stretch um, like you said there we were two very evenly matched teams we know that. You know, GP is a phenomenal coach, and he gets his his team ready for for every single game. And um, they're both really um, intense and physical battles. And um, yeah, we got the the best of of, of each team. So um, yeah, those were those were really fun games, and um, it was fun watching them um, out in Columbus um, at Capitol during the you know during the Final Four this past weekend, and, and gave Thomas Moore a, a great battle as well. Uh, fun to uh, to watch them. Maybe uh, happy you weren't facing them. Is there a little bit of relief that at least Thomas Moore knocked them off, and you have a different opponent here, or or is Thomas Moore too daunting to have that relief? Tough question there, Dave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm you known know, for. I would have, we would have loved to have, have seen Amherst again and, sure. and loved to have had another NESCAC, you know, team in the in the finals with us. Um, but either way, we're you know we're going to get prepared for mm-hmm. that that team in the finals, and um, we're just thrilled that it's it's us in the finals. Uh, you guys against Wartburg, pretty impressive. Held them scoreless in the opening quarter, and then the first couple of minutes of the second quarter. Now they came back and then you got some big defensive stops down the end. You already hinted at it and obviously what you allow in games shows it. The defense is certainly uh, one of the biggest reasons the Jumbos are so good. But what was it that you were able to exploit against Wartburg to especially stifle them for so long in the opening part of the game? Yeah, I think it was a combination. I think, yes, we were playing great defense and I think we had really great energy out there and um you know closeouts were great i think we were contesting a lot of shots um but i also think that they were missing some 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 shots that they normally hit um to start off the game um you know i had never seen zero points at the you know at the end of a <laughs> of a quarter so i think it was um a testament to to our defense and um we knew that you know that wasn't going to be sustained throughout the game. I also thought only us putting up nine points was was not good enough either. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Warburg was playing great defense um, themselves, and um, you know we knew they'd make a, a run at us. And 
you know, same thing kind of happened at, at Scranton. We had a really good lead going into halftime, and, you know, they made a, a great run as well. And um, credit to Wartburg, and, um, you know, I think they're very well coached, and um, they made a – they made a they made it really tough, and um, you know it made us. You know we had to make some plays down the the stretch, and I think Lauren Dillon hit a huge three pointer out of a timeout when we were only up um, four, um, and that was a, a huge key play. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, you know I thought that that Lauren had the best game of of her season of maybe of her career. Um, so it's 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 a new player um, stepping up. Um, last game at Scranton, it was Melissa Baptista. Mm-hmm. The game before that, it was more a foliard. So um, yeah, it's 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 awesome. You know these these student athletes of mine that um, that are just stepping up and. and crucial crucial times and and maybe that is the the experience that we have in in big games now and and being at the final four the last three years that that we feel comfortable uh, you know in in tough gyms against really tough opponents and um you know anybody's ready to to step up at any time um you mentioned uh, a lot of the players at batista obviously had a huge game against scranton and you talked about north having a big uh, season as well. North finished 14.5 points a game, Baptista 10 points a game. But what jumps out to me is a couple of things when you look at the stat sheet. First off, you're only allowing less than 45 points a game. You only have to score 60 as a result of that. I want to tackle that one first. That is some stout numbers defensively. You're now going up against the Thomas Moore squad who can (laughs) certainly put up points. Is this a, a factor of understanding you're going to have to play good defense while allowing more than you normally can? Or do you think you can take advantage of some things against the Saints and actually lock them down defensively, scoring-wise? I don't think they're going to be locked down. I think we're <laughs> going to – I mean, they average over 90 points a game. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a, a really tough a tough. Uh, battle um and on that end of the court um but you know we're gonna you know have a, a game plan or two um i know they have this really great score um in <laughs> sydney moss but but she certainly isn't their only you know their only score um they have some really great um you know pieces around her um that clearly they were they were crushing opponents when she was sitting out for a few games yeah. so um we have our work cut out for us and um but yeah we have to be able to score the ball and and i'm not sure you know 60 points will will be enough um you know i don't know if we can keep them to to under 60 but um you know we're going to work these next you know 10 days or so um on on what we want to what we want to do and uh, what you know defensive schemes we'll we'll come up with um but but we do have to score the basketball because they're a, they're a tough defensive team as well um so lot to lot to do it's nice having this time um i'm sure jeff feels the same way that you know it's the end of the season and and you know these these kids are, are banged up a little bit and yeah. and it's t- it's nice to get some some time to get them them healthy and and get a little bit of rest um but then also so, you know, get them really focused sure. on just one game. You know, it was it was strange at you know at Capital only having to prepare for for just one opponent. Um, it was nice, um, and so it's the same thing in this in this championship um, game that it's it's just it's just getting prepared for for one team. Um, the other thing that jumps out at me is you have played about ten players in every single game this season. You've even gone to eleven in about two thirds of the games you've played this year. Depth has certainly been a key. 
Um, has How much has that been changed in the NCAA tournament with obviously more breaks? How much have you stuck with that? And, wh- and what has been the biggest reason in your mind for that depth? Yeah, it was like I, I said at the beginning. We've we just had some some players really step up into to new roles, and and so, a couple of them are seniors that haven't played a lot in mm-hmm. their career. And you know, we knew and they knew that that we needed them this year, and uh, they've just been hu- just huge huge contributions off the off the bench. Um, Michelle Wu, Nicole Brooks, Maura Foliard, um, Katie Hicks off the bench. Um, it's been it's been just you know an awesome um year for for them and for our bench and um yeah we're going to need them um you know come come indianapolis um you know the bench the rotation gets a, a little bit small, smaller and shorter because of the the breaks that we have but um but it's it's nice that i you know i can look to them and and know that um you know michaela got in foul trouble against warburg we we put in katie hicks and more foliard and we increased our lead so um you know i have a lot of confidence in them and um they've really been huge for us all all season I know it's early in the process, uh, but I know you're probably already looking over tapes, and you're probably going to look over tapes to the point of uh, boredom maybe uh, before you get to that title game. But is there anything without – I realize you don't want to give away your secrets necessarily, but is there anything you think you can take advantage of uh, either as you as a team or, or or of what Thomas Moore does take advantage of going into this game that, that you think can be successful? Mm. Haven't found that yet, Dave, but we'll uh, we'll keep working on that. I mean, they're 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 just so you know <clears throat> offensively gifted um, mm-hmm. as a team, but also you know defensively they have so many weapons. You know, Sydney can score from the inside and outside, and she takes care of the ball. Um, she doesn't have a lot of turnovers, and then you know makes a lot of great plays for her for her teammates. So mm-hmm. um, you know we've got to you know we've got to figure out just how to. To, to limit her um, you know touches because of you know how many you know how many great plays she can she can make during a game um, but also you know be able to defend all of them Kiernan and Owings and um, just it's a it's a phenomenal team so um, you know we're definitely going to to get to work even more this week it's been nice to have a little bit of a of a break and um, and kind of just refocus now, um, and uh, we'll we'll be ready. You know, um, we're going to give it our all, and um, like we we have done all year, and and hopefully um, represent the the NESCAC well in the Northeast region. And um, we're just ecstatic to to be headed to the to the D1 championships. Yeah. Um, it's going to be an awesome ride. Going to talk about that in a second. One last question about sure. Thomas Moore. You saw them in the semifinals, obviously, last year. Held them to 62 points in a 10-point loss, unfortunately. Can you take anything from that game and use it going forward? Or is there so many differences between especially your team and, and the different players that that game is, uh, for lack of a better description, irrelevant? No, I think you can. Um, I think, you know, Thomas Moore, when they step on the court, they just look like they're just an awesome team, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and it can be intimidating that you're looking at a team that scores over 90 points a game and, you know, they're, they're the defending national champions, but, but we, you know, we were in that game and, and I don't think we played our best game, um, but we are a very different team now, but I think we can draw on that experience of, of being on that stage with them and, and knowing, you know, what it felt like, um, you know, we do have some some players that were you know playing in that game, so understand you know what it's like, and and hopefully can draw on that that sure. experience. 
Uh, so Indianapolis, obviously, uh, it may be, as we talk, a little under two weeks away from the title game, about 10 days away from, from uh, probably heading out there. But I know it's already pretty darn busy with the NCAA already letting you know what's going on and, and getting ready for the game. How much do you have to pace yourself, though, uh, considering how far away that game is? Yeah, I mean we're we're taking some some time off. Um, they have um, this Easter weekend off, yep. Saturday and Sunday. So um, I think it's a it's a good break, like I said, to 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 get rested and to get healthy. And um, but but we have a lot of work uh, to do as well to get better um, on both ends of the floor. Um, and then also you know just our scout and what we need to do. Um, it's a nice. I think it's nice having this little bit of a break and, you know, coaches have been asking me like, well, what are you going to do? But, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the NESCAC, we have a, we have two weeks to get prepared for the start of our season. So we're sort of always in that sort of two week frame of mind of, of to get prepared for, for a game. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to us. We're getting um, back to, to work this afternoon um, from practice. We had Sunday and, and Monday off, and um, I can't wait to get back on this, this court again. It's, um, it's awesome that we'll be playing in the f- very final game of the, of the season, and yeah. playing basketball in April is just it's bizarre and just amazing, <laughs> amazing at the same time. You know? Sure. It will no longer be March Madness. It's going to be April. I know. It's, a little, it's a little strange, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're actually the uh, the precursor to the men's championship game, playing that six o'clock title That's game. Right. Uh, a little bit different. You also play on the D on the D one floor, as we've mentioned. Um, when you guys plan to be, to get out there, what do you what do you expect will be part of the schedule? Yeah, uh, we get out there on Friday afternoon. Um, there's a, a salute dinner that mm-hmm. night, and and then. Um, we have to get some practice times in. We'll get in on the on um, the the floor on both Saturday, Sunday, and Monday um, to get used to it because it's definitely going to be a different uh, change of scenery than than Cousins Gym and you know some of the other gyms we play in. Um, so it'll be awesome to to get there. And um, I know that the NCAA has a lot of great, amazing things planned for us, um, and uh, we're going to soak it all in and enjoy every minute of it. But also, you know, stay stay focused. To, to the task, uh, the task at hand. Um, certainly going to be uh, challenging to say the least, um, but also fun at the same time. How much do you have to remind the team of just how great it is to be in this experience and, and enjoy it at the same time? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the same sort of thing at the Final Four. There's a lot of great things um, that Capital had done for us and in the previous um, sites. Um, so you do, you have to you have to enjoy the ride and enjoy every experience that is in front of you. Um, but you know you're there for a reason, and it's to, you know, to win a basketball game. And, um, and so we'll, we'll keep that focus. I know that that's, you know, what the team is, is there for. Um, I've been there as a as a player, so I can hopefully draw on that experience as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's it's just going to be a, a really really fun weekend. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on the show and and uh, and uh, joining me about all this. This is pretty incredible. The 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 opportunity, obviously, to go to Indianapolis and and to get a chance at, at another championship weekend. We should point out you've been to three championship weekends in a row. Uh, obviously, getting to the title game is a big step for you guys versus a consolation game. Uh, I know that's a big deal for you, for you, your team yeah. uh, as Love that well. Game. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you do, Coach. It's the most thrilling <laughs> yeah. game of the season, is it not? <laughs> oh, it has been. Yeah. At, at least yeah. there is no consolation game this year. Maybe not in 
the future either. Um, As always, I would give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, I just want to um, just say it's been a, an awesome um, year. I want to thank the, the NCAA committee. Um, I thought they did a phenomenal job um, with our bracket and the whole um, tournament. Um, shout out to our men's basketball team here and, and Coach Bobby Knight-Sheldon was for a phenomenal year. Um, I know you had a lot of fun with him when he was on um, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and uh, and appreciate, uh, Dave, just another awesome year of, of D3 hoops and appreciate all you you do well thank you coach i appreciate the kind words uh looking forward to seeing you in um in uh, indianapolis and seeing the game and uh safe travels in the meantime great thanks so much absolutely Car- carla baruby joining us from tufts again they'll take on the number one ranked thomas moore saints uh in the championship game coming up on april 4th looking forward to seeing how they uh, do out there and certainly the uh, response and the and the experience etc 2013 was so wonderful on the men's side we're hoping the women get just as good an experience uh this upcoming well in a couple weeks time we'll be out there as well when we come back we wrap up hoopsville it is a busy hoopsville we wrap it up coming up here shortly you're listening to hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com for the wbca nabc studios more after this It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause, to recognize that non-consensual sex is sexual assault, to identify situations in which sexual assault may occur, to intervene in situations where consent has not or cannot be given, To create an environment in which sexual assault is unacceptable and survivors are supported. This is our It's On Us pledge. It's on us to make a personal commitment to help keep all people safe from sexual assault, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or ability. Not to be bystanders to the problem, but to be leaders of the solution. We invite you to join us in this campaign by informing your campuses about the It's On Us mission. Educate your student body, faculty, staff, and local community on how to prevent sexual assault and how to support survivors. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, from the WBCA NABC studios. Of course, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. Appreciate you all enjoy, uh, tuning in this long. We appreciate all our guests on the show. Once again, Keith Bungenberg, who joined us on the Hoopsville postgame show in Salem. Really appreciate him doing that. He didn't certainly didn't have to, and we appreciate him taking the time. Also, Steve Fritz uh, and John Tower from St. Thomas. Ryan Scott from D3Hoops.com. Also want to thank Gordon and Adam for their workout in Capital. Give us a, a taste 
of what happened out there. Looking forward to joining joining them in Indianapolis. And I want to thank Jeff Hans and Carla Barubi um, from Thomas Moore and Tufts who are getting ready for the championship game. Looking forward to seeing them out in Indianapolis as well. A um, couple bits of business I want to get to. First and foremost, the men's top 25 is final if you haven't seen it. St. Thomas, uh, no surprise, unanimous num- uh, number one pick. I don't see how that would have been done any other way. Benedictine State at number two, no surprise there. Augustana, three, really, to be honest with you, no surprise. That's certainly how I voted as well. Thomas Moore, four, no surprise there. And Amherst being fifth. Some people might be surprised that the top four teams don't fit into the top four. Well, that's also because a lot of top 25 voters appreciate the fact that the ballot, or I should say the bracket, is not designed necessarily to indicate who the top four teams are in the comp- country, and nothing against Amherst, but they uh, you know, they didn't have uh, maybe the top four season, as it were. Uh, that's not a knock on them necessarily. It's just the way it all kind of played out. Um, as far as my top 25 ballot, it was a little bit different than how that finished. I went St. Thomas, Benedictine, Augustana, Christopher Newport. My number fifth was actually Alma. My number six was St. Thomas, and my number seven was Amherst. In my opinion, having seen all of those teams, I thought Amherst might have gotten exposed and beaten by both Alma and St. Norbert. Um, And then I put Amherst slightly ahead of Ohio Wesleyan. Originally, I had Ohio Wesleyan ahead of Amherst. Then I thought it through just a little bit more and made the switch. Uh, I could have been wrong. I think that's a pick but it's not against Amherst. I just don't think they were as deep a team as those others, and they certainly didn't have to face them in the tournament either. So that's how I kind of finished that one out. On the real top 25, Amherst was followed by Alma at 6. Whitman jumped up to 7th, certainly understandable there. St. Norbert fell from 7 to 8. I think that's a pick There are 5 points between them and Whitman. I think Whitman's win over Whitworth certainly drove that a little bit. Tufts ended up ninth, coming out of the 20-hole, and uh, Ohio Wesleyan stayed at 10. My top 10 got rounded off with John Carroll ninth and Whitman 10th. Uh, nothing against the Whitman win over Whitworth. I thought it was pretty impressive, but they also got smoked by St. Thomas. I actually thought about putting Whitman further down. That would have put Whitworth further down, considering Whitman beat Whitworth twice. Whitworth's only two losses of the season. I think that's significant. But on the flip side of that, I think there was this, there was a bit of a gap there, and you had to fill in the hole. I didn't feel comfortable that anybody else was 10th in the country, so Whitman ended up fitting into that spot. Uh, Whitworth on the overall poll ended up 11th, Babson 12th, John Carroll moved from 5th to 13th, I think that's fair having lost in the second round. Worcester went from unranked to 14th, that's certainly a bit of a jump for them in my mind. I had Worcester 15th, so I guess it's about the same point now that I think about it. Um, Johnson and Wales was 15th, having fallen from 12th. I think that's fair. I had Johnson and Wales 14th, for example. My number 12 was Marietta. My number 13 was Tufts. Um, Tufts, I might have put higher, but I know they had an injury they were dealing with. Johnson and Wales, I would love to have had higher, but they had to get past Tufts to do that. Hope ended up 16th overall in the country. Uh, I actually had him further. I had him right about that spot, I should say. I had him 17th. Uh, by the way, I had Babson 16th. I think Babson would have been higher if Joey Flannery, and they also would have gone further if Joey Flannery had been there, so I played that as a factor. Marietta ended up 17th, falling from 6th. Again, I put Marietta a little higher than that. I actually had them 12th. I thought that one loss to Gwen and Mercy didn't indicate how uh, that they weren't good. Still thought they were better than everybody else I put on in front of them. Elmhurst uh, stayed at 18th. Uh, Elmhurst, for me, fell to 20th. Uh, Emory jumped from 25th to 19th. I didn't vote for Emory. 
here's the deal. I saw that they beat Covenant, and I saw another Southern team that they beat. Hats off to them, but I didn't think those were necessarily some of the top teams in a country to beat. And then they got handled pretty easily in the next round by Augustana. I didn't think that necessarily equated to a top 25. Uh, but the rest of the voters did, and I can certainly understand that, though the point totals dropped off significantly. Susquehanna went from 19th to 20th. I had Susquehanna 19th. Oswego uh, jumped in at 21st. Certainly understood that. I had them at 21st, too, though I also had the same debate about not putting them in there as I did um, with uh, Emory. But I thought their wins were maybe a little bit more significant, especially they also took Worcester right down to the wire, and I definitely considered that. Uh, Keene State went from unranked to 22nd. I put Keene State 25th, thought about not voting for them either. I thought they got lucky with their win, and it's not against them, but just lucky in the sense of a bonehead foul uh, over Stockton, and then I think they ran into a, a, a challenge in Middlebury. The reason I ended up voting for them is because they really battled CNU very well, and they came deep in their own conference to make this run. So I gave them credit for that. I thought they certainly had to do a little bit more hard work longer and proved it. And so I put them 25th. Overall, the poll, uh, Lancaster Bible fell from 14th to 23rd. I had Lancaster Bible 18th. They lost to Worcester. It was their first loss of the season. I wasn't going to ding them that much for that loss. They're still a pretty darn good team. St. Olaf appeared in the top 25 um, I didn't include them. Their win over North Central allowed me to pull North Central out of my top 25. Um, though they uh, North Central, by the way, barely held on to the 25th spot overall. But I didn't put St. Olaf or North Central in. Uh, I ended up putting St. Vincent in at 24th. They played John Carroll very well in that first round game, and I thought they proved themselves. I also put NYU in at 22nd. I thought NYU, according to what I talked to some other coaches who knew them well, may ended up proving themselves in the end. With their UAA play, their absolute domination of Brooklyn, and then a pretty darn good game against Christopher Newport. I think NYU ended up proving themselves more than anything in the end. I figured they deserved the nod, so I put them 22nd. Lynchburg was 23rd thanks to a dominating win over Scranton, but that's about all they did, um, etc. So that's kind of what it is. I may or may not get my blog out. I'm also thinking about comparing uh, the, the my preseason poll and my thoughts on what happened the rest of the season, etc. But we'll see how much time I have between now and then. Um, obviously, we're getting ready for Indianapolis. Quick business note again, no shows between now and Indianapolis. We may put a show or at least quick little segment together while we're out there. I don't know. We're figuring things out as we go. We'll certainly put a little bit of something together at the end, which will include interviews with players and coaches, most likely of the winning team, maybe uh, with the opposition. You never know. Uh, but obviously, the take from Gordon, Adam, and others out there. We'll kind of do a powwow and get that all put together and hopefully uh, have something for you at some point after that championship, whether it be Monday night. It's probably pushing it a little bit since it's a 6 o'clock Eastern game, but maybe on Tuesday while I'm waiting around for the championship game because I have a feeling I'll be there for the D1 championship game just due to some other logistics. We maybe can put that all together and get it out on Tuesday for you. Worst case, if I'm traveling Tuesday, we'll get it back on the air for you on Wednesday following the championship, so April 5th or 6th. Uh, congratulations again to St. Thomas on winning the title, and congratulations to Benedictine on a heck of a season. Congratulations to Christopher Newport and Amherst on a wonderful men's basketball season as well. On the women's side, Wartburg certainly proved their medal, uh, especially to come back against Tufts, so hats off to them and Amherst women's basketball. The Amherst ran into a juggernaut and played pretty darn good basketball. And now congratulations to Thomas Moore and Tufts, who will go on to play for a championship. Before we get done, ran into a number of great men's basketball coaches, as always, in Salem. Though I think the numbers were a little bit down this year. 
Uh, a little surprising there, but I want to thank them all for, uh, as always, great times, great conversation, and wonderful experience. I want to thank uh, Coach Barber from Greenville, who gave us a gift. Check this out. I'll try not to show our monitors too much there. Uh, let's see how we can do this. That's going to be a little difficult. They gave us a Greenville uh, jersey all framed up. Really appreciate him doing that. I'm not sure where we'll hang it behind us right now, um, but I can tell you this much. We will find a nice spot for it to hang in the Hoopsville studios. Also gave us a donation outside of the uh, campaign. I really appreciate Coach Barber. Uh, he also gave us a shirt that we'll wear proudly, uh, but we'll find a spot in the studio to hang it along with other things. If you want to decorate this studio even in the offseason, please do not hesitate. We would love to take whatever you want. Reach out to us via email, uh, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or my personal d3hoops account. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. Let us know um, that you'd like to send us something. We're happy to take it and decorate our studio. It will probably go through another evolutionary change here in the near future with what we have behind us, uh, which is always fun. Uh, but thank you to uh, Coach Barber. We will find a special place for it. Now we've got a center jersey, an Ohio Wesleyan women's jersey. There's other coaches who've threatened to send us jerseys. Send away. Of course, we have the Hopkins uh, uh, warm-up jersey or practice jersey. We've had that for a long time. But send your stuff. We'll certainly decorate our studios en masse as well. I uh, also want to thank everybody who contributed to the Hoopsville fundraising campaign. We said we would announce all the names, but there's been some confusion on whether people wanted their names announced or not, so we're holding off. We will be putting a page together in the next few weeks of everybody who's contributed over the years. It's been something we've been wanting to do but been kind of bottled up trying to get it done. We will get that done. If you contributed to the campaign and, and are getting a gift from us, we will get that taken care of by the end of April at the latest. We're just working on the logistics of that gift and the number of people. Some people, I think, also wanted the gift, but they ended up not signing up for it, uh, technicality. So we want to make sure we have everything in place before we just start rolling out gifts and get ourselves into a bind. So we will uh, get back to you on those, but thank you all again. If you still want to, to uh, donate to the campaign, uh, it is technically in an on-demand type scenario or something. Uh, it is available. Just go to our page. You'll see the link. We'll shut it down probably by the end of the Women's Championship uh, and make it a complete uh, closure at that point. Thanks again for everybody who came on the show, especially out in Salem, Keith Bunkenberg, uh, Steve Fritz, John Tower, and Adam, uh, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, um, Ryan Scott is what I'm trying to say. I want to thank Adam Turr and Gordon Mann for reporting in from Capitol. Thank Jeff Hans and Carla Barubi for joining us on the show. And looking forward to being in Indianapolis. If you're going, let us know. You can follow our exploits on Instagram and on uh, Twitter. I will certainly do more tweeting from Indianapolis than I did in Salem. I was so busy in Salem, I barely tweeted. But we'll have a little bit more time to do things in Indianapolis and looking forward to it. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you uh, your support all season long. We did more shows this year than we have ever done, adding a lot in November, and we plan to do that again next year. Also plan to take the money we raised on the Hoopsville fundraising campaign this year, put it towards upgrades and equipment, and put it towards a little bit more travel. Thanks to the WBCA and the NABC coming on board and upping the ante, as it were, we can do more with what you gave us, and we really appreciate it. As far as the future of our, contribu our con contributing idea, we'll see. We may evolve it. I'm not really sure. We'll, we'll test, kind of test the waters in the meantime. For the men's, enjoy the offseason. For the women, enjoy the offseason except for two more teams. We obviously have a big game coming up, but I want to thank everybody for tuning in for what has been a memorable 
Hoopsville show. This is probably the last one we'll do in studio as we'll do everything else out in Indianapolis, probably out on site, but you never know. But thank you for tuning in nonetheless. If anything breaks or anything is important to cover during the offseason, we will certainly have special shows via Hoopsville here and the studios. So tune in on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. And of course, don't forget to email us uh, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks to I probably say the hundreds of coaches. I'm not really sure what our total number of coaches were this year. We'll have to go do the math. But thank you to everybody who tuned in and everybody who joined us on this show. Really appreciate your support and really appreciate um, you making it worthwhile. That's going to do it for Hoopsville for now. Again, more coverage in Indianapolis. But in the meantime, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC studios, heartfelt thanks to D3Hoops.com as always, but especially the National uh, National Association of Basketball Coaches and the Women's Basketball Coaches Association for their support of this show, especially the WBCA coming on board this year, and also the NABC for uh, upping their uh, contributions to this show. Really appreciate it. It allows us to do a lot more. Uh, with a lot less coming out of our own pockets. That means a lot more for you, the viewer, and a lot more for the student-athletes and coaches out there that we cover. Thank you so much for doing it. We certainly appreciate it. Um, With that, we'll see you in Indianapolis, and after that, we'll see you back here at the latest in November 2016 as we get ready for another basketball season. But first, got to crown one more champ. Looking forward to going to Indianapolis. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. Thank you. And we'll see you in Indianapolis.